0: It's seven o'clock. Do you know where your freedom is? Coming to you live and electrified from Studio A, high atop the escarpments of Whitetail Peak, the roof, rough roof, roof, of the American Hindukush. This is Dr. Amp, doing the vamp for liberty. Climbing the ramp to justice and lighting the lamp of freedom. So, what's on your mind tonight? I mean, you know I'm gonna tell you what's on mine. We're sinking down deep in the mud and the fucks are at it again. These giant multinational corporations are filled with monstrous vermin, poisonous, vile murderers, and they eat, drink, and shit money. They buy our politicians for a song, and these fucking politicians sing as we gag and cough. Sold down the river to die. Fuck you who betray the people you were elected to help, elected to work to help, to make life better for, Fuck you all in the ass, you fucking treasonous puppets! The ninth level of hell will welcome you! What what are
1: I'm And take a situation now. Someone's instincts. make good. probably just a Way so back up, back, relax and listen real close. And afterwards, we're up drunk, and drop a dose. And so that you at the that you find out what it means. It means. what you mean. It Make good. never as bad as it seems. It seems. We're all stuck here together in this twisted misery. It's like a lesson though just won't be mighty your And so Who the But it's a teacher I Am I, I here? Oh, what is my job? The purpose do I serve? Is there an answer to these questions Or a lesson to be learned? When way hour I I go a final act A bringer Show us a letter To take my hand and lead the way Or am I on oh, my own now alpha-bought B is that my mind is both, both Spoken you the answers That I've been all the way Thought do it all But still the answers Couldn't find Find You think you'll be alive Like what you're thinking it, And it's all in your way. You tell the details so long Now you're free
2: Myself muted. Sorry about that.
3: No, it's okay. I just started to have a mild heart attack because a couple weeks ago I was supposed to record with the witch and so many things went wrong and then my computer died. So oh, no. <laughs> I was just like, oh shit, dude. I, I had one of those
2: with Duncan recently. Uh, the last episode of the Twin Peaks show, uh, it took 30 minutes to get software working. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a nightmare. But, but, we persevered. Uh, we persisted, I guess, uh, mo- is more
3: appropriate for this show. Um, <laughs> is that the one you just put out? That yeah. one was great. That one.
2: Was oh, great. thanks man. Yeah. We, uh, I, I we've got something kind of planned for the last one that I think is going to be amazing. So I, I, can't spill the details just yet, but oh my God, I think it's going to be great, but yeah, man. And I'm excited about doing this. Like I, I haven't been able to talk about this movie in particular nearly enough. Um, I that, fucking love it.
3: <laughs> I was excited when I heard you say something about it on the uh, the 70s retrospective, because I've been trying to find somebody to do this. This was maybe the second or third movie I put on my list. Nobody's been claiming it like this. The Purge movies. Finally talked Duncan into doing uh, People Under the Stairs. We're doing that next weekend.
2: That's uh, only right uh, that... <laughs> that he does that one but yeah i mean i uh, uh at some point if you want to do like an old uh, 70s echo horror movie or even a new one uh let me know because those are kind of usually my jam um the only one i haven't liked recently was the bay along those lines but uh yeah i am uh, i'm set i'm good i got water um and just let me know what I need to do, because I'm generally stupid on other people's show.
3: As is your privilege, when you are the guest on a show, to sort of relax a little bit. So yeah, I should say, I don't know, the original story is over 50 years old, coming up on 60 or 70. Right. There will be spoilers in this episode. Spoiler
2: I mean, the, the movie that we're talking about is, what, 39? Almost 40 years old at this point?
3: Yeah, it came out in 78. Yeah. So, yeah. So
2: Yeah, I mean, if, <laughs> if they haven't seen it by now, then, well, shit.
3: Get on the ball, people.
2: Right, in, unless you're a fetus, you have had access.
3: <laughs> <laughs> to many versions. There's a version of this movie in my mind with a scene that I could be thinking of a different movie is there a body snatchers movie in color where the people are all walking and they peel off their faces? Maybe the nineties one that was just called body snatchers or something like that. I
2: think that's the case with that one. Uh, but the only thing I I, like, I didn't rewatch that one. Uh, and the only thing I really remember from it is, um, Meg Tilly, the, her, her delivery of where you going to go. Where are you going to run to? And it, like, that was real creepy. Uh, but I, I don't, I mean, God, coming off the dizzying highs of the Kaufman one, uh, you got a lot of ground to cover. And that movie never quite gets there, which is unfortunate. I don't think it's a terrible adaptation. It's just not the Kaufman one, which is amazing.
3: Still preferred by me over the, uh, Oh, man, who did the original? What was his last name? I know he was in this.
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, wait, Jack Finney was the writer. Don Siegel, Siegel. was the name of uh, of the guy who directed it in the 50s. And in fairness, Siegel didn't want the happy ending of the original either. He wanted the, the book ending.
3: And studio meddling strikes right. again.
2: Yeah. So, like, it has been in good hands for... It, it's first couple of adaptations. I, I think the, uh, geez, what year is it? Uh, is it 57 that came out? Um, the
3: Kevin McCarthy, the original Kevin McCarthy movie.
2: Yeah. 56. Yeah. And I think that's a perfectly good movie. It's oh, a totally. like, it, It's, it's a great adaptation of that at a time. I'm mean, like, it, it's still really creepy. The whole idea is creepy and and it's executed well. And, you know, Kevin McCarthy is terrific in it.
3: Yeah, I was so happy that he found a way to come into this. Yeah, and and
2: that is, it's it's one of those things. Like, I don't know, I don't, I don't even know if Kaufman and Richter know for sure if if the idea was that I think Kaufman said at one point maybe he's been running around for twenty years. telling everybody and just now like the invasion is is truly getting out i don't know that i buy that that seems like a real slow timeline considering how fast everything else happens in this movie um but i like it (laughs) it, it's it's such a nice tip of the hat and it makes sense in the movie it's not a ham-fisted cameo it's just like oh yeah okay that's the way you do that
3: yeah he'd have to have some beyond trump Trumpian level bone spurs to take 20 years to run from rural Southern California to San Francisco. Yeah.
2: I, but man, all right. So when I rewatched this uh, again uh, for this show, I I rewatched it for the seventies thing. And then I watched it again and I got to say at no point do I think I like watching this movie um, because it really unnerves me. Like every time I watch it, it freaks me out. And I've watched it a lot lately, and now I don't trust anybody. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the line from the thing.
4: Nobody trusts anybody now. We're all very tired.
2: Yeah, it's, it. you know, I don't, I don't know how you want to go about talking about this movie. I mean, do, do you want to start at the beginning and just do the summary of, of what happens? Uh, or, or do we want to talk more generally about it?
3: I think uh, we... We can go either way, but before we go any further, I want to welcome everyone to a new episode of (laughs) Psycho-Semantic Podcast, and I want to welcome for the very first time, hopefully not the last, the head honcho, big cheese, sweet potato. Yeah. Uh,
0: Rightful heir to the Iron Throne, rightful queen of the Andals and the First Men, protector of the Seven Kingdoms, the mother of dragons. The Khaleesi of the Great Grass Sea. The Unburnt. The Breaker of Chains.
3: Mr. Bo Ransdell. Hey, thanks, man.
2: I'm excited to do this. This is uh, talking about two things I love. Uh, this movie and politics. So I can't wait to see who I offend. Oh. I'm always excited about that. I hope, I hope somebody that's like, hey, he does silly voices and then listens to some shit I'm in inevitably going to say. <laughs> and then is like, I don't like him at all anymore (laughs) like (laughs) he's a terrible person
3: well just in case we have hate mail at psychosemanticpress.com where you send all your hate mail
2: yes Um, and i it will be forwarded to me and i will find out where you live mm -hmm. and then i will find you and then we'll probably have like a nice pastry and talk about our differences yeah he has Uh, a very
3: specific set of skills and it involves pastries
2: yeah well the pastries come from duncan that's his contribution to world peace. Uh, he's more more skilled in that arena than am I.
3: Well, that's the family you built up around yourself. you got specialists.
2: Yeah, it's, it, you, you hire the people for the job. And <laughs> I didn't really care how good a podcaster Duncan was. I just wanted cupcakes. <laughs> and it turned out he's fine at the other thing, too. But the cupcakes are amazing.
3: The other stuff is just icing on the cupcake.
2: Very well played, yes. Frosty <laughs> on the muffin, as we say on uh Duncan and Bo come correct.
3: I started listening when you guys were doing uh Westworld. Which was
2: fun. We had a good time doing that one. The Twin Peaks thing has been a different animal, but in fact uh, on the last episode that we released, we talked about how briefly like the incarnations of this show are are ridiculous. <laughs> you know, like it <laughs> it started as Uh, you know, to your point about listening to the early ones, it started as a show where Duncan and I would recommend movies to each other that the other person hadn't seen based around a theme. And, and they were great shows and they were fun to do. Uh, And I still think that documentary episode uh, from the second season is one of the best shows I've ever done. Then we start doing all the TV shows (laughs) (laughs) just as a goof initially. And then people started kind of responding to that. And then we just start doing more shows And then we kind of, you know, did the math recently where you kind of tick off the shows on the finger. Like, well, yeah, we're doing X-Files. And then uh, you got Westworld coming back. (laughs) And now they're talking about True Detective. Good omens. Right. Right. And, I mean, it's not a complaint, but it's like, oh, my God, that's the next year of our lives. (laughs) (laughs) Like, when we podcast – like, I can – You might as well just uh, look at the TV guide and see when we're going to release shows at this point. Uh, Also, there's no such thing as TV guide anymore. Sorry, dated reference. I've probably fallen asleep to that screen more than a couple of times.
3: Yeah, it's as good or better than uh, the Weather Channel or the Golf Channel. The Weather Channel is kind of hard to sleep to now because they've devoted, I think, all of their uh, screen time to Puerto Rico.
5: This is an island surrounded by water, big water, ocean water.
2: You can't help but know what's going on in Puerto Rico, but um, I haven't seen Like, I've seen some of the pictures of the devastation, but part of me is just so punch drunk at this point. I've internalized that it's terrible. I just don't know that I can look at it right now, <laughs> which is ter- like, it's a horrible thing to say. There are people, you know, suffering in the uh, the protectorate of, of Puerto Rico. But I I almost can't look at it at this point, man. Well, Between mean, that and the California fires and the hurricanes before that and just uh, Jesus Christ. All right. We get it. The gays will stop marrying. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. The gays will stop marrying. We will give more tax cuts to the rich. They're hurting. They are hurting.
2: Well, all right. You know, and that kind of speaks to uh, – <laughs> was this for a segue that kind of speaks to the fact that a lot of people think that all the stuff that's going on is in their best interest yes. which there, one of the things that i think is amazing about the kaufman body snatchers is that the message isn't dated in the same way that the don siegel film is the you know i know they've said like oh it was all that allegory was accidental it's like yeah kind of to the shit
3: um
2: <laughs> That, you know, it was very much a Reds Under the Beds movie through and through. Yeah, I mean,
3: the pods were under some beds, literally, right?
2: (laughs) Quite literally (laughs) under beds in some cases. Yeah. And just the time it came out, like that's that was what was in the air. And maybe it's maybe it's that it was so good at being that whether it wanted to or not, that it just became the prime example of that communist scare film. And I think what Kaufman's movie does that's that's interesting is that it's less about a specific kind of of, of politics, uh, even though I don't think communism's ever shouted out in the Siegel film or anything. but it's it's a more ephemeral kind of collectivism that that Kaufman is scared of, I think. you know, there's uh, uh, like all right. so we we. In the original film, it's set in, like, what, Santa Mira, California, I think, little little sleepy town yeah, uh, where all this is going down. So Kaufman puts the movie in San Francisco in, you know, present-day 1978 San Francisco. And it's a much more urban place, but I think one of the things that Kaufman is talking about in this movie is that idea of, alienation within a large population center um that yeah that you can look the other way it's the the old story about the uh the woman yelling rape while all the uh witnesses see it and and do nothing
5: that is the indifference of good men
2: um, and there's a, a hint of that in this and, but there, the other thing that's kind of genius about it is that the characters, like our heroes of the film are kind of weirdos. Like they're, <laughs> they're very individual. I mean, it, it's more precisely seen when you look at like, uh, Jeff Goldblum and, uh, Veronica Cartwright's characters, uh, Jack and what's her name? I'll think of it in a minute, but, Nancy, um, I think, Yeah i think so and so that you know he's kind of this flaky writer type who also they own like a bath together a big spa facility
3: like a speakeasy uh, spa that
2: yeah it's it but it, it looked cool like i was on board with it but the mud bath in particular i was like that i bet that does feel fantastic <laughs> um yeah
3: hot mud
2: yeah uh, but they're running that place. But he's also kind of a writer and, and she's clearly a, a bit of a flake. And even Donald Sutherland is a health inspector, which is not a typically heroic job. <laughs>
3: um, As displayed by the kitchen workers. I don't know. If, have you ever had a kitchen worker job? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Most artistic people I know have had at least two or three. You remember how it was when the health department showed up?
2: Yeah. I mean, it was but it wasn't Donald Sutherland. Picking through your soup and being like, and what are the ingredients again? <laughs> I am like, he is Sherlock, the health detector uh, in, in it, our health inspector in this movie. But uh the rat turd thing, I just think is funny when he busts the place. Oh, and, if it's a paper. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, you know, and he's got the don't look now hair, which is the best <laughs> Sutherland hair. And. So he's kind but he's also an odd looking dude. Always has been, always will be. Not a bad looking dude, just unusual looking. Uh almost has the Marty Feldman eyes uh at times.
3: Oh good call. Uh, I was trying to and, trying to place that.
2: And so like he's a bit of a an odd duck in the film as well. And you know, rounding out the cast is Leonard Nimoy as this like new age psychotherapist kind of guy, but kind of a pop culture, psycho uh, psychologist kind of guy,
3: the hate Ashbery in the seventies psychologist kind of guy.
2: It's like, if they did not base it on the Est movement, then it, that was clearly in mind. Are you familiar with that? Do you know what I'm talking about?
3: I, I've heard uh, it. I've heard it mentioned, but uh, mostly peripheral stuff, I think from, you know, reading Hunter Thompson and William Burroughs and Ginsburg type stuff.
2: It, well, it was just kind of a self-help movement, but the guy behind it, whose name I don't remember, um, would have these seminars that were like 16 hours long. And mm. he wouldn't let the people in, in the seminar like eat or go to the bathroom. I mean, it was basically just this real cultish kind of behavior, but the big lessons were all about like looking to the self and exploring the self. It was a very introverted kind of thing, but also... Again, super culty. Uh, Werner
3: Erhard, I believe.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, Werner, I I don't remember the Werner Erhard. I'm I'm just (laughs) immature enough to you know snicker at. (laughs) Um, Erhard. So, but but like Nimoy is playing the you know that kind of character, and so all the again kind of heroes in theory heroes of our story. Uh, you know, and Brooke Adams just it works in the lab. She, but but she is clearly throwing the fuck eyes at Sutherland all through the beginning of this movie. Oh, so, and, yeah. Uh, which I mean, God bless them. Brooke, Ab- Brooke, Adams, Karen Allen are like the brunettes of of my fantasies <laughs> uh, because of the age I grew up. And um, so, yeah, anytime that she's like getting lively with uh, somebody on screen, I'm I'm always happy. <laughs> But um, yeah, so you know, Kaufman's heroes aren't just the ordinary run-of-the-mill folks. They're they're slightly unusual, and I think he enjoys being a bit playful with, especially Veronica Cartwright's character, who's like conspiria- conspiratorial before anything ever happens. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, like, once... And, and and things start getting weird in the movie very quick. The, the notion of, hey, this person that I know isn't the person that I know. You know, they don't seem violent or anything. It's just they're not themselves. That there's something essential in their humanity that is missing from them.
3: Like a lack uh, of empathy. Right. Disinterest right. in enjoyable activities. Yeah, and...
2: You know, certainly there is within the film there is that idea of of the urban sort of distancing that uh, the irony of hey we're all packed together like sardines but none of us are looking each other in the eye. So uh, some of this stuff can happen right under our noses because we're not really paying our uh, attention to our neighbors. Um, but I you know for people who kind of dismiss this movie as just uh, about. Uh, you know communism or just the loss of self or or that kind of thing but i think it's a much more pointed critique about the idea of groupthink in general and uh because you know as the pod people start to infiltrate more and more of society like the most horrifying scenes of of this movie to me are
3: when they're being chased Mm. Uh, which happens a lot
2: in (laughs) fairness like you get chased all over this damn movie
3: yeah, so much, so much running that I think. Uh, what didn't Sutherland and um, Brooke Adams take up jogging, like recreational jogging, because of this movie?
2: Oh, I didn't know that, but that makes perfect sense because uh, that's so much of this film. But it, but it, it's that kind of thing of like I'm I'm alone in a city that felt like mine yesterday. And suddenly I'm the outsider. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a ton of that uh, in, you know, any discussion of like what happened last year with Trump and, and kind of where we are in this country right now. Um, for a lot of people like myself and a lot of people I know, uh, the idea of Trump getting elected was so far out of bounds that it it, it just it seemed unthinkable. It's like there's just there's just no way.
3: Yeah, it was it was easy to joke about until election night. You know there was yeah. there was 100 certainty that no way like people can't be that crazy, right? And and
2: that at the end of the day, uh, I had all those lines in the sand where I would think like, well, after he talked about grabbing people by the pussy, there's no way
3: <laughs> after you he just made can't... fun of the disabled guy.
2: You know what? <laughs> I've been I've been around long enough that I was like I, I think he can get away with that, but the grabbing him by the pussy. I mean, because what went along with that wasn't just the the foul language or even the chauvinistic attitude. There was also that bit of classism in it too that you know when you're famous they just
3: let you do it
2: and, and I thought that was gonna be like the 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 Romney's you know, 43% or 47% or whatever it was.
3: Oh, the 47% video.
2: Yeah. It was that kind of thing of like, I'm just dismissing a swath of people, uh, in a lot of ways, not, not directly politically like Romney was doing, but saying like, Hey, if you're not famous, well, you're not in the club and I can do whatever the fuck I want. And they're going to let me get away with it. What, whether it's sexual assault or something else, um, probably preferably sexual assault for him. But Yeah. So, you know, watching this movie a couple of times, like I said recently, this notion of, like, you look around at all your neighbors and you're like, I don't know who the fuck you people are. Like, some of you had to vote for him. It wasn't all, (laughs) you know,
3: like, he won. That's what threw and off all the exit polls and everything was some people wanted to vote for him, but wouldn't be open about it. And that that's a different sort of conversation on whether or not you should have to. I mean, nobody has to answer an exit poll, but, you know, some people, especially a lot more old school people or like my politics are my business, and I'm not going to talk about it. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why this show is here is because like, uh, I've always just been my politics are, you know. I'm gonna put them in your face. Yes, in the face. Yeah, yeah,
2: and it's it, like if you, if you're paying attention to politics, no matter what side you fall on these days, uh, you can't help but have an opinion about it. I mean, it, it's too it it's built to be divisive, you know. Oh, so much so, and and that's weirdly, you know, when I think about. Uh, body snatchers and and the idea of it of its group think, you know i think about kaufman at the time uh he directed it said that you know the pod people were also reflective of the the kind of people that respond to commercials that just sit and watch tv like the the scene with uh brooke adams husband when he's got the headphones on is just staring at the tv which is showing like images of clocks yeah and kaufman Himself said, like, well, you know, yeah, if you're just sitting around staring at a television all day, and then you're just all it's doing is just programming you. And that's how I feel about what you see with like Fox News and even MSNBC to a degree. I don't, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to be completely one sided about <laughs> because both of them have their agenda. Um, you know, beyond just viewership, you know, like all news outlets now, there's not there because they're all for profit, which is stupid. Uh, all these new <laughs> out, news outlets now um, are vying for your dollars, and the way that they do that uh, are well vying for advertiser dollars, and and that translates to to eyeballs. And the way they're getting eyeballs is is to give a perspective. They're giving you a slant. They're reinforcing the things that you kind of already think. And like I said, MSNBC is bad about it. I watch more of it than I should. <laughs> uh, and and it's just as much of an outrage machine. But these days, there's also more grains of truth in, in that outrage than you would like. Um, but the Fox News side of things and and just that whole right-wing... Like Fox News, Alex Jones. uh, I don't know who the big ones are beyond that. Breitbart. um, I guess Drudge Report to a degree.
3: Yeah. Um, You know, Freedom Eagle dot whatever that gets to ask questions from Sarah Huckabee Sanders now, while uh, CNN and NBC get shouted down.
2: Yeah, but uh, you know, some of the shit you see on there is so outrageously incorrect, or or so antagonistic needless needlessly antagonistic about the other side you know whether it's very uh, they'll say Democrats but like liberals are the big li- we got to get the liberals. liberals uh are the
3: generalities.
2: yeah that's the big target and uh and that's you know to a certain extent that is the nature of politics they're you know a two-party system is about that kind of conflict of ideology but it's just gotten so uh so ingrained and so uh poisonous you know it's not like you can just disagree with with someone anymore it's <laughs> like when it especially when it comes to Trump like like Trump is the 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 real gasoline poured on this fire because defending him seems like such an outrageous notion to somebody like myself that I just – like I start from a place of utter confusion of like I don't know what I, – I don't know why you would ever think that anything he ever did was OK. Uh, like I'm, I'm trying <laughs> desperately to find the thing that was appealing in the first place beyond the song and dance of, you know – we hate Hillary. you know, uh, it was like somebody described it as uh, voters were trying to throw like a Molotov cocktail into Washington and <laughs> and really stir things up, which seems more appropriate an analogy every day. Um, but like why that cocktail was always my question? Like then vote for Gary Johnson or, uh, you know, like reach out to Bernie Sanders and convince him to run as an independent or whatever. Like, if you want to shape something up, don't go with...
5: Thank you for pressing the self-destruct button. This is your last chance to push the cancellation button. Cancellation button? Hurry!
1: Where is it? Where is it? It's got to be here. Out of order! Fuck! Even in the future, nothing works.
2: <laughs> don't go with such a horrible figurehead for a reform movement
3: don't cut off your head because you've got a toothache or yeah something along those lines you know yank the tooth out first at least somebody
2: who understands uh the the levers and mechanisms of government you know um that that understands how the constitution is supposed to work <laughs> uh instead of just trampling roughshod over it and until somebody stops you um, yeah, it's it but like I felt so uh, as, as someone who lives in Tennessee uh and you know typically the Davidson County Nashville proper uh is the blue oasis and and an ocean <laughs> of red um but uh and you know to to a degree Chattanooga as well, but yeah, I mean, you know, I still run into people who aren't just the folks in downtown Nashville, and these are the people who voted for trump and that makes me a bit uneasy because not because you know they're gonna convert me into a pod person like them (laughs) but there's just no there's just no space for me to reveal myself to them otherwise i know i'm gonna be the asshole in the conversation Mm. you know uh and and that tends to be my problem with with a lot of folks i know who are uh you know, whether or not they mean it, but they're Trump supporters (laughs) and they're not backing down from it. That's the thing that's tough to get to because there's no no hope for communication with a lot of those folks because as soon as you say like, well, you know, what he said there wasn't true and their response is fake news, fake news, fake (laughs) news.
5: I don't know Putin.
2: And it's like, okay, well then I don't, if you're not willing to accept a fact, then how do you reach somebody in that fantasy world where those facts don't penetrate? And um, and that's the kind of alienation. Like there are some great moments uh, in in Body Snatchers, like when Donald Sutherland is on the phone with the police, and they're like, you know, we're don't worry, we'll send somebody over, Mister uh, Bennett. And he's like, how did you know my name? I didn't tell them my name. <laughs> and it's, it's that sort of paranoia of like everyone around me is working under this political philosophy that I find disturbing at best and dangerous at worst. And, you know, how, how is it to feel like in a weird way, the, the, uh, the outcast in your own culture, um, and I don't know, like, I don't have an answer to it. It just, it's a thing that when I watch body snatchers, I think about a lot and it freaks me out
3: Yeah. Well, and, again.
2: <laughs>
3: <horror>. <laughs> and I think that's one of the reasons why this story is so translatable to any time. And no matter how, how many times you've seen it, each time it can freak you out a little bit with a lot of, a lot of horror. There may be, you know, deeper messages as you see a lot more often in the the more DIY genres, and I think that's uh, a lot of the things that I read about Body Snatchers. Uh, the first two were, you know, these guys were great filmmakers. They just liked to work within the genres where they could get a little bit more of a deeper message and a bit more of a poke at society.
2: Yeah, well, it was like a Serling and Twilight Zone. Um, he was doing, you know, the drama playhouse or whatever for a while, and they kept cutting the scripts because of the messages he was trying to get across. So he started Twilight Zone to hide the message in a genre. And, <laughs> you know, it's it's odd that horror and sci-fi, uh, and I would argue, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers '78 is absolutely a horror film. You know, it has the the sci-fi trappings of well, it's an alien plant that drifted on solar winds, as as Nimoy describes it. Um, but once you get to the paranoia part of it, which to me is the the whole movie, is who can you trust? What's happening to your neighbors? I mean, it's it it's pure psychological horror.
3: Yeah, from the very opening. I mean. Uh... Duval I, on the swing yeah, is Duval. creepy as shit. And the teacher telling all the kids to pick up the pod flowers, and uh, yeah. watching Brooke Adams walk by—it's, you know, I, every time I've watched this, I've noticed another pod person.
2: Yeah, it—it's it, weird because, it, like, Kaufman was so good at layering that shit in. So there, when you're watching crowd scenes, there's one at least. There could be more where way in the distance of the crowd scene, somebody's being chased. And it's just little shit like that where you, the more you watch it, the more it reveals itself to be even worse uh, <laughs> a psychological assault than you thought it was. The, the thing that terrifies me as much as anything else in in Body Snatchers is the idea that this all happens to when you're asleep. You know, the, when you are at your most vulnerable then that's it you just you go to sleep you never wake up instead there's just some imposter that knows what you know but just doesn't know what to do with it you know yeah. uh, it's like there it's terrifying on so many levels uh from a visceral point of view and then it's so easily adaptable <laughs> <laughs> to to any political climate because it's just always about like you, you know, what individuality is important, but also when that search for indiv- individuality becomes a weird kind of collectivism, well, that's just as bad. You know, like there, there's a line you cross where introspection and self-awareness just becomes a lack of empathy and, you know, a, a, a susceptibility to to falling into uh, that kind of trap where it's just like it's it's way easier to parrot the shit that you hear on the news back to someone than it is to cross reference three other news sources and hope you get one that seems <laughs> reputable you know it, it's just it, it's easier it's it you know being a pod person seems okay as long as you don't mind not being a human being anymore. <laughs> you know like the way it's pitched the way nimoy pitches it is you know you're gonna wake up in a world that has no no anxiety there's no war everybody is gonna be at peace you have all your memories you just you're just not gonna be upset anymore um you know you could you could uh, also argue the at the time The fact that mood altering medications, and I don't mean just the recreational ones, uh, (laughs) were starting to become a thing. Um, There is something so universal about the notion of what is it that makes up ourself and what happens when we lose that. And man, (laughs) like this movie, much like a pod person itself, uh, (laughs) just like reveals itself in this like horrible way but it's also endlessly fascinating to me
3: it's it's hard to think about what what a movie that illustrates that sort of paranoia and that sort of helplessness but yeah i the the special effects i think we need to stop and talk about that a little bit when you were talking about the being reborn and everything i i was picturing all the the pod the 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 vaginal 3d printers yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know it's like
2: georgia o'keefe paintings come to life before your eyes yeah it is very there is a birthing that happens for these things and like well you you fir- the first one you see is the uh the gold one yeah which isn't as impressive because it's basically just gold you just name put some shit on him
3: yeah, and, Brundle, Sna- Brundle Snatcher. Oh my god,
2: I would love to see a pod version of uh, Brundle Fly. Uh, it because he would just be melting without emotion. Yeah, uh, <laughs> makes a far worse film, quite frankly. But um, yeah, but then there's the the big scene where uh, they're all taking a nap, and. Uh, there are some pods in the garden of uh, Donald Sutherland's joint and they all start kind of hatching and bursting and whatnot. And yeah, there's something about that, uh, that kind of fetal one that you first see when it, you know, kind of gooshes, uh, which <laughs> I think is a verb, gooshes out of the the pod and it's all just Dah! and it, like it's just this little completely twisted version of a fetus but it's too big yeah. and oh, uh, it's so gnarly um yeah the the effects are amazingly good there's one that's kind of goofy especially the more blu-ray you get the less it less good it is uh <laughs> the the hobo face but
3: oh the the banjo dog banjo yeah. man dog or whatever that Banjo Man Dog is the name of my uh, Psychobilly band. Oh, uh, it should be if it's not. It, it will be. We, we have uh, coined that right here. Uh, Banjo do do? Man Dog. Banjo uh, Man Dog.
2: Also could be a video game uh, starring a cute bear, <laughs> uh, it, but set in an apocalypse.
3: It's, it's the North Korean ripoff of Banjo Kazooie. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly In the American apocalypse because of imperialism and capitalism.
2: Yeah. Yeah. She never also never seemed like a great idea to me,
3: but (laughs) I'm a,
2: I'm a socialist at heart. Um, but yeah, like the, the effects work in, in that scene in particular. And also there's a really nice job of editing. Like there's the scene where, uh, again, spoilers, uh, for the almost 40 year old movie, Um, When Donald Sutherland um, is holding Brooke Adams and she completes (laughs) that metamorphosis from person to pot person
3: Uh, and (laughs) they pull on the fish wire attached to her face. (laughs)
2: Yeah, but it's kind of a, a cool effect. And then there's an edit away. And then when you cut back to her, it's it's sort of the dummy that they use to crinkle up. And it, but it's really effective. And, it, and it's still one of those scenes that uh, every time I see it, that moment of like, oh, the person that I loved isn't the person I loved anymore. And I know this isn't political, but I think we've all been in that situation where. <laughs> 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 uh, but
3: holy it, shit.
2: Yeah. Where you're just like, oh, I have made a terrible, terrible mistake.
3: I've made a huge mistake.
2: But yeah, in in this case, it's more uh, like I know I keep just bringing it back to Trump, but I have those relatives that as soon as they told me that they voted for Trump, it, it was like that. It was like you are you are the pod person to me. You're not a communist. You're the right wing pod person that somehow believes saying that that you can grab reporters by the pussy is not a big deal. Yeah. Um. Body slamming
3: you, reporters. Uh, the, it's happening. The moment
2: that defined Trump to me and still does everything he does. Now, I look at it through this one uh, prism of one moment. And it was in uh, a debate where Hillary Clinton uh, said something to the effect of, uh, you know, you can elect me or or somebody that is a Russian puppet or something <laughs> like that. But his response was, no puppet, no puppet, you're the puppet.
3: Which I remember that moment. Look, Putin, from everything
5: I see, has no respect for this person. Well, that's because he'd rather have a puppet as president of the United States. No puppet, no puppet. It's pretty clear pop- it's pretty clear you won't admit no, that the, the pop- Russians have engaged in cyber attacks against the United States of America that you encouraged espionage against our people
2: It is the same response any 9-year-old would give And as long as you understand that that is the emotional level that he is operating on he makes a lot more sense yes. And to this day, I that's when he says something when it, you know, like, oh Jesus Christ, he just said on Twitter that, you know, all bees are the enemy of Americans and should be immediately killed. <laughs> then I'm just like, Yeah, he's a nine year old. He doesn't know jack shit. And somebody tells him something just to see if he'll believe it, I think. And then he goes nuts with it. He just runs with it like a like a
3: child. Um <laughs> Last night, the moon Performed a dangerously anti American flyby over my house. We will (laughs) blow up the moon.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: I mean, we've already got the song thanks to uh, Mr. Show. Um,
1: (laughs) If we want to blow up the moon. Now, NASA embarks on its most daring and exciting project yet.
0: Thank you very much. We have an announcement to make uh, on July 4th of this year. America will blow up the moon.
4: We have the technology. The time is now. Science can wait no longer. Children are our future. America can, should, must, and will blow up the moon. Yes. Yes. And we'll be doing it during a full
0: moon, so we make sure we get it all.
4: Woo. Look out moon!
0: America's gonna get you. Gonna go. Kaboom. Was nice to admit you. But you don't miss around. God's America.
1: Exploder 1 will carry enough dynamite and nuclear charges to blow up the moon 50 times over. The president himself will announce the rocket's countdown. Once the ship is in space, Galileo, the great-grandson of Ulysses, the first monkey to travel in space, will push the launch button. And Grace Flitz, the Olympic gold medal high diver, will do a difficult triple aerial pike to signal that the mission has been a success. But it's that kind of
2: shit, right? Like, if Trump said, um, you know what? We we are going to point a laser at the moon and try to explode it because of whatever. Like, tides are Muslim.
3: ISIS uses the tides. Right. To steal your jobs.
2: Yes. Something to that effect. And there is a solid, what, 35% of the country... That would be like, you're goddamn right. Let's blow that moon up. (laughs) It's about time someone said it.
3: Obama was afraid to do that. Right.
2: Because of his secret Muslim identity, he was never going to be the president that blew up the moon. And we knew that Hillary Clinton was only going to continue his non-moon blowing up ways. Do we need Uh, more of the same? Right. More, more people staring at the moon thinking it's a benevolent rock rock. (laughs) floating around a a larger orb no it is the enemy of the united states um
5: i watched a
3: movie called iron sky last night and i think it's a documentary there are nazis in the moon and they're not very good people though the moon nazis are illegal immigrants see
2: i don't know that he'd have a problem with moon nazis i think it would have to be more like they're you know moon migrant workers (laughs)
3: I my friends the moon Nazis have captured a black astronaut we will blow up the moon to make sure he cannot come back
2: right yeah I mean but it's that kind of shit right like uh, you know I at times I feel like I'm the crazy one because some shit will come out of our our good president's mouth where you're like that's not true like (laughs) the Like, you can go back to day one, the thing with the crowd size, which isn't a big deal. Like, at the end of the day, who gives a shit how big it was? It it doesn't matter. Um, If he wants to claim it, fine. That he had the biggest crowd that ever saw a president do president shit. But if if you start the presidency with something that is patently false, where you're just like, no, you can look at side-by-side pictures, and it's just there's more people in one than the other. And... (laughs) You know, it's th- – that's just a fact. But it was that immediate denial of uh, like, nope, biggest crowd ever. And <laughs> and you run into people who are like, yeah, he had the biggest crowd because he said it like 27 times that he had the biggest crowd. And and he's the president. We believe him. And it's that kind of thinking that you run into a bunch. Uh, again, you know, I mean there's probably what, 35 to 38 percent of the population that I would, would kind of put into that camp. But that shit is scary uh, when, you know, you have, you know, shit go down in, in Charlottesville and the guy, you know, gives enough of a pass to white supremacists for them to feel OK about what the sitting president said about them. At that point, that's right. I mean, if you supported the guy, what there had to be an out out pouring at that point you would think of like you know no 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 we're not (laughs) no racist no racist you're the racist like that should have been his following if they were not indeed just the racist that maybe we always suspected they were you know what i mean like maybe like this this small group maybe the reason that they give trump a slide on everything is because of that one thing. Mm. And that's the part of it that scares me the most. Well,
3: and that's, that's kind of like the, the whole evangelical, uh, religious right or religious right, um, th- seems like the central one stance and everything else is fine because this, this president, this, this, uh, this politician will be anti-reproductive rights and anti-abortion. So all the other horrible things they do are fine because he's fighting for Jesus's favorite thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe it's just, it's a big tent of people who care about one thing a lot and they're willing to be uh, bedfellows with some real shit heels to get their way. Like evangelicals getting behind Trump is the most hypocritic shit (laughs) I have ever seen. Like, fuck evangelicals for if you are evangelical and are not disgusted by Donald J. Trump, then you ain't really an evangelical. You're you just you're just wearing that outfit because, again, that's the group you relate to. That's that's your pod people group. (laughs) Um, you all think about shit the same way. Uh, and then, you know, that's the horrifying part of any of those kind of nationalist movements, right? Is that they get, they, they get fixated on certain ideas. Like this time around, it's, uh, particularly immigration and immigrants, people that don't belong here, people that are the wrong color, that kind of thing.
5: When was the last time you saw a Chevrolet in Tokyo? It doesn't exist, folks. They beat us all the time.
1: This is bullcrap! Well, I, I ain't standing for this!
5: We'll burn When do we beat Mexico at the border? They're laughing at us, at our stupidity. They took our jobs! That's right, a lot of people up there can't get jobs. <laughs> they can't get jobs, because there are no jobs. Because China has our jobs, and Mexico has our jobs. They all have jobs. Stick our jobs! When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're not sending you. They're not sending you. The American dream is dead. Well,
4: I don't know about you guys, but I sure am excited. America's going to be great again. Aren't you excited, gang?
0: No, I'm not excited. It sucks, Dad. This country's going to suck for four years.
4: Oh, come on, Shelley. We've learned that women can be anything except for president.
2: A lot of that shit floating around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that has been the other a lot of times. Um, <laughs> ask anyone uh, who is Jewish about uh, about how history treats people who maybe don't come from the same place. Um but yeah i like this time around that's the group think right that's the 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 right the majority voting folks yeah. said we're cool with all of this shit because we have whatever the agenda is the more i think about it, the more i think you're right that is just a a conglomeration of groups that are like we want the next guy on the supreme court bench we want him to be conservative mm-hmm. so i don't give a shit what trump does so we get that and i want to make sure that ladies can't have abortions anymore and i'm going to look past everything else that trump does and says because he he doesn't want ladies to have doctors play around with their baby parts yeah. and yeah so i think that's I, I think that's probably right but man what an ugly tent that has created uh where it's just you know these disparate groups of people who are just <laughs> so enamored with the idea of cutting off someone's liberty some way or another that's what all those groups are kind of after is whether it's women's rights or immigrants or whatever like we want to make sure that uh we we are staunchly opposed to something we get something shut down because of whatever crazy impetus we have for the belief and i don't know like i don't i don't know what you do in a society where less and less it feels like you have support for basic rights that you kind of thought were good, you know, like coming out of Obama, I really felt like I almost whoever gets elected. We're still further along evolutionarily speaking than we would have been, uh, with, without him. And now I'm worried that Trump's knee jerk. I hate everything Obama ever did, uh, kind of policymaking, making. And, like, his policy just seemed to to be the no Obama, no Obama, you're the Obama. And I'm (laughs) going to – I'm just going to do the reverse. Like, he's bizarro Obama where he just undoes everything. Like, that that kind of shit is maddening to me because it it does feel very one step forward, two steps back. Um, And I don't know. Like, I'm getting older, and I I don't want to die in a country that has become – a, a place where there is a news channel that everybody get like that Orwellian kind of
3: nightmare. And that's, <laughs> we've always uh, been at war with East Asia. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, I,
2: I, but it, it, it's, you know, going back to the film, it it is the thing that always terrifies me the most is just to be, you know, not a stranger in a strange land, but a stranger in your own land. Uh, ever since the election, as I mentioned, it's been one of those things that's haunted me. Is the idea that there's a group of the population that I don't feel like I can successfully communicate with anymore, and um, some would argue that's a big part of what I do for a living. Uh, and it, and it's 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 frightening to me that there's a group that is so closed off from the rest of us that they're just not they're unswayable because I don't think they they could be uh, open-minded and still be on board at this point. Because I think other than those folks who, as we were talking about, have that one, one agenda and they'll forgive all of Trump's other, other issues. I, I think that's the only way you can stay with him at this point. Um, the, the notion of what he has done to the perception of us around the world. Uh, God, <laughs> it, you're right. It, it bothers me so fundamentally, <laughs> Uh, that I don't know, you know, I mean, it, it's, and I talked to Republican friends who are like, this is what it was like when Obama was president, like eight years where you felt like the country was just going completely the wrong way. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't think it's quite the same. Cause it's not just like, I, you know, I was around for all eight years of W as well. Yes. And, uh, mm-hmm. and George senior, you know, uh, who all seem like just dreams <laughs> now, but
3: yeah. Ed Bush too is literally allegedly a fucking war criminal. Do I have yeah. to say allegedly? I guess. Yeah. He hasn't been tried and convicted. So yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, is potentially a war criminal. I agree with you. I, I, I think that is true. Um, but also, man, I mean, what I wouldn't give. Uh, to have him back as much as I don't trust him and think that he was un like, I thought Bush dub w- George W. Bush. I thought he was unqualified to be president and it is a real smack in the face to be shown Donald J. Trump, who isn't even close to being qualified. I'm like, Nope, you're right. He was at least, you know, W was at least a governor. This guy, nothing, not yeah. a thing.
3: You know, I mean, he his his past was what consisted largely of inheriting money, declaring bankruptcy and getting bailed out by the government. That doesn't work as the government.
2: Yeah. I mean, you hear people uh, in and around New York all the time who are like, yeah, of, of course, this is what he is. that's always been what he is. He he was a con man from jump and continues to be a con man.
1: And why not? Nobody's going to pay for it anyway. And as soon as the deliveries are made in the front door, you move this stuff out the back and sell it at a discount. You take a $200 case of booze and you sell it for 100 it doesn't matter. It's all profit. And then finally, when there's nothing left and you can't borrow another buck from the bank or buy another case of booze, you bust the joint out.
2: You light a match. And worse yet, he's an incredibly narcissistic con man. <laughs> Like when you hear shit, like to the point about, you know, people saying, well, you know, this is what it was like when it was Obama in office and you were a Republican. Obama didn't have to get notes in his briefings to tell him what a good job he was doing. You know, he he wasn't as uh, so uh, fragile that he, ha- he had to be surrounded with approval like that guy got more shit thrown his way um as president than any like any president i remember since clinton and clinton was kind of asking for it uh <laughs> yeah. poor yeah poor obama just you know was was not white um and also a democrat like both of those things are going to draw fire and both of them together drew a lot um
3: yeah i mean people you know. were hanging and burning him in protests and uh,
2: there was a representative who stood up and shouted, you lie to the president of the United States
3: during a speech. Right. That yeah, was, yeah. was that in the State of the Union or was it, that a just a regular I, address to Congress? I I, mm,
2: I don't know if it. I think it was State of the Union, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, I know it was televised. It yeah. But it happened on the
3: air. Like, imagine if that happened to Trump you'd be beaten with truncheons and uh sold to putin the the twitter
2: war that would ensue you know and on another yet another tangent speaking of twitter this is another of those pod people things Mm -hmm. where i'm like this is what kaufman's talking about like anytime you see somebody post something on twitter and it gets like four million likes that's some real pod people shit (laughs) (laughs) all all of that in my eyes is wrong uh I understand, like, Twitter is a platform that I have never been able to figure out how to use without feeling like an asshole.
3: Yeah, I, I don't pay as much attention to it. I mostly use it anymore for random lashing out at politicians, which doesn't do anything except for make me feel better for 10 seconds. And uh a friend of mine, he does a lot of uh punk rock political cartoons. And... uh I would share those very often, and those would always get the uh, the most hate, because he always made fun of Nazis and skinheads uh, relatively frequently. So I would get hate mail from neo Nazis, you know, saying I'm a, a disgrace to uh, or an embarrassment to white people and other shit like that. And one guy wrote me and said, it's "Whenever I get a job and give up my free Obama phone, my opinion will matter." <laughs>
2: Do you, did you get a free Obama phone? I wish. I use mine all the time.
3: <laughs> I've it been gets, waiting. George Soros stole mine at the last paid protesters meeting.
2: Uh, it gets the Politico app. Uh, it uh, MSNBC, of course. Uh, Mother Jones. Um, it also registers you to vote. <laughs> I like that. You know here the the, here's a place where i i I sound like such a technophobe because uh speaking of like being able to vote you know they're trying to do uh all kinds of different ways to register people to vote because (laughs) like republicans keep passing laws that make it more and more difficult for uh the poor people to vote and poorer people tend to vote democrat just how it works so Uh, But anytime they're like, well, we could make it easier by being able to register online or uh, on your phone or whatever. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, don't do that. (laughs) That is that's a terrible idea. Uh, Yes, it's convenient. Also, totally insecure. Um, Even if it's on your phone, totally insecure. There is no security. If you are on the Internet, security of your information is a lie. We've seen that with Equifax recently, even though. I mean, they'd had enough problems that that shouldn't be a, a total stunner.
3: But um, <laughs> the, the contract the IRS gave them afterwards was a little shocking.
2: Um, I mean, if you're of a certain age, uh, I think that's true. If if you are, you know, on the uh, just about on the wrong side of forty now, um, then yeah, it's just like, well, of course, because they did it the cheapest because they're the shittiest and that's how the government <laughs> handles their contracts. It's not fair who does point. It, fair point. It's, yeah. It's not who does it best. It's who does it cheapest. Um, yeah. And, and then you can, you know, <laughs> blow up that budget with all kinds of weird shit, but yeah, it, you know, the, it going back to the film again, though, it, it is the, that frustration uh, that almost nihilism um that you get if if you're on a, a you know a certain of a certain political persuasion in in today's United States okay. um is you, there is this sense that no matter what we do there is we're we're doomed to fail you know um i think about it like all the healthcare debates that went on and and you saw a lot of protests and Activism that that swirled around uh, the healthcare debate and and people not wanting healthcare taken away and uh ju- and it didn't help any on the Republican side of things that the bills were fucking terrible so like bad. all of them all of them were just like well this will only murder five million people <laughs> and
3: it's okay, like yeah but okay we'll lower it we'll only allow for twenty twenty million 20 million people that's better than 25
2: yeah i you know only yeah but it was legitimately that kind of thing of oh only 19 million people won't have insurance now and it's like well that's not how health insurance is supposed to work like we got more health insurance for more people granted not perfectly but they have insurance so how do we make that better not how about we just get them all off again yeah. And it seems like, well, I, I again, but it's that one step forward, two steps back. Because all the protests work, right? Like the, the none of those bills passed. Uh, you know, John McCain swooped in wearing his cape and and <laughs> gave the thumbs down. And do you think no he matter
3: what? Oh, go ahead.
2: Well, no matter what happened, though, we just saw recently. You know, Trump signs this executive order that essentially defunds the parts of. Uh, The Obamacare subsidies that make it all kind of work uh, in terms of keeping the rates down to something reasonable. So, yeah, I mean, he's generated a situation that is a self-fulfilling prophecy where rates are going to go up because the government's not subsidizing because of this executive order. Then people are going to say, holy shit, my rates just went up like crazy. And then they're going to say, yep, that's Obamacare.
3: (laughs) And – Which was the Republican plan, largely. Uh,
2: Right, but but people were like, well, that's fucked up. That's not how we should do this. And it doesn't matter how much you fight because, you know, Donald J. Sutherland is still going to be there at the end of the movie pointing at you and screaming because he still has these crazy executive powers, which granted Obama pushed that that uh along and and we're all reaping the benefits of that but (laughs) um you know it's it it, it's just horrifying because it's like well no matter how much you fight no matter how much you protest uh it can all be undone with you know the swoop of a pen or even that doesn't seem that easy with this guy but (laughs) let's get him back in here um You know, you you were here to photograph for the signing ceremony. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Did you sign anything? I did not. Um,
3: I held up a pen. It's a very good pen. My uncle had a pen.
2: I think I was the first person to ever use a pen. I think I'm right about that. Uh, I coined
3: the phrase pen. God, what was
2: it he said he coined recently? Um, Uh, I don't even remember what the word was, but it was another fake that's what no it was after the fake news
3: oh um, it
2: was something about the puerto rico situation anyway i remember what i it know was he now. gave
3: himself a 10 out of 10 for his response to puerto rico
2: oh sure and then made the mayor of puerto rico or the governor of puerto rico be like yeah i guess it's a 10 i mean can we not put a number on it how about you just help all the people you know <laughs> most of whom don't have access to clean water there's like 70% of the people just don't have water can. And, and then it's an 11. How about that? Um,
3: yeah, it's, here's some paper towels. Fuck off.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, like all photo, all photo ops by presidents are innately stupid candidates. Presidents mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Anytime you, you stage an event like that, they come off looking like an asshole. Um, Michael Dukakis can tell you about that. Oh God, uh, the tank ride. Yes. Uh, John Kerry in the Hunter's outfit can tell you about that. Um,
3: yeah, oh that's not... Who, who did the... Uh,
5: yeah. Not only are we going to New
1: Hampshire, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico and we're going to California and Texas and New York and we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan and then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House! Yeah!
2: Oh how Howard, uh, Dean? Howard Dean, yeah, yeah, which I <laughs> thought was fairly innocuous uh compared to most of them, but uh yeah he showed too much emotion, um uh, <laughs> gave himself away, the banjo dog spooked him
3: um do you you're- a vi- you're a video game player uh real quick, did you ever play that online video game that uh came out after the first uh w Bush election where? Hulk Hogan and Mr. T are fighting against the the evil people and uh, Howard Dean would be like a side character that you could use, and his weapon was that Yell.
2: No, but that's pretty great. I'm on board with that game. That that feels like something uh Bro Force would do as well. <laughs> I could see that happening. Yeah! <laughs> yeah. Uh- yeah! Yeah, I, I, I never thought that that was that big a deal because it was just showing enthusiasm, like he got carried away. And again, that seems so quaint, like that sunk his
3: campaign. Yeah, I, well, Dan Quayle. Dan yeah. Quayle was labeled completely way too stupid to ever be president. And people were fearful because he was a heartbeat away, as they always say, because he could, couldn't spell potato. And now we have a Potato yeah uh,
2: a sweet potato I would argue <laughs> thanks to the color um yeah it's it yeah it like I said it, it seems so quaint that uh Trump came into this nomination process and was just I it's hard for me to say bull in a china shop now because that's been disproven <laughs> that bulls, bulls are reasonably well behaved in china shops uh Thanks, Mythbusters, for nothing. But <laughs> uh, but Trump stormed into the election and people that ought to have been the nominee, uh, like Jeb Bush, should have been the nominee, but nobody wanted a Bush. And also Trump came in and was like, look at this fucking guy over here, this Bush <laughs> asshole. Anybody want another Bush? And he was like, hey, man, that's not cool. He's like, Fuck you, Jeb.
3: Your, your brother was president on nine eleven, I believe. Yeah,
2: yeah, like just raked him. Like said the shit that somebody in a bar in Brooklyn would say to Jeb Bush. <laughs> and yeah. then the same thing happened with Marco Rubio. Little Marco, just being a bully about that shit. And uh, I don't, I don't remember him going after Kasich in particular. Kasich was just a little too Kirk Hammett in... Uh, some kind of monster for my taste. <laughs> I mean, Come on, guys. Let's just get along, guys. Oh, he and that's so
3: much. He's my governor.
2: Uh, you know, the fact that he keeps saying he's not running for president, just who are we bullshitting? Let's, it's, it insults us both.
3: Did Did there, you see the little thing he's doing with the governor of Colorado? Uh, the health care plan? They are tentatively floating the idea of running as a joint ticket Republican Democrat in uh, the next election, but I don't know if they've decided which one of them would be the other right now. It's just talk. Um, I do have a story about John Kasich probably drunk on a plane.
2: I find him fascinating. He, he, he presents as reasonable, but it's not always the case. And I, I find him incredibly appealing as an uncle but also, I think he may have touched someone.
3: Yeah, yeah. He's done some some bad shit. But I, so he'll do something like um, he's really into restricting abortion access, but he expanded uh, Medicare, Medicaid uh, and, and stuff like that. So he, he's a weird rotten apple sort of thing. Uh, he's, he's relatively anti-public education because his first well, not because of, but fun fact. His first wife was a kindergarten teacher, and so he seems to have a thorn in his side about public education. Um, oh, okay. He pushes a little bit more of the religious, he's like, the religious schools need equal access. He, he, that's my problem with
2: Kasich, always always has been, is that he's just a, a shade to Jesus-y mm-hmm. for me. Like, I, I need him to be more of the, we need to keep religion out of politics Republican than the Oh, well, I I let Christianity inform all my political decisions, um, which yeah. it, I get totally reasonable platform to take as a candidate. It's just the people that are like, I'm OK with that. That scare me. <laughs> uh, it's like, yeah, well, but what if you don't subscribe to that religion? Well, that's OK, silly. We do. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but I don't. I'm not christian so i don't care about your baby souls
3: yeah you can go do that in your private time
2: (laughs) right like you as a christian don't have to have an abortion the rest of us who are not christian are maybe just you know conveniently forget about the murder parts um because you're killing a baby let's be honest (laughs) um i mean it's all tissue but it would be a baby you're killing that for sure Got to
3: smash the pods.
2: Yeah, but, you know, if that's the decision you make, I mean, at the point that most abortions occur, of course, you know, just a little mass of congealed tissue and whatnot. (laughs) Ain't a baby really would be you're killing a baby. Let's 100 percent. But it's not a baby yet. And I have no problem with it. And uh, I, I think it's weird that it's the law of the land and has been for. You know, again, about forty years, mm-hmm. and just no, they have not gotten over it yet. Like the uh, another thing that when people are like, you know, Obama's out of office now, get over it. It's like then fucking get over abortion, get <laughs> over the Civil Rights Act, the gay marriage laws, the ACA. Let's get over all that stuff. How about that? Yeah,
3: that stuff's uh, older news.
2: Right, right, and. Uh, Speaking of getting over it, Jesus in the first place. How about we you get over that fucking thing? Anyway, <laughs> sorry, I get I get angry when I I start talking about religion too long. It, I I I honestly feel religion is the thing that holds humanity back more than any other any other institution we have on the planet. It it keeps keeps us in check. And speaking of fucking pod people, you get a bunch of goddamn Catholics together.
3: Um, kidding. Uh. They're <laughs> No, go Probably, for it. I, I, I grew up that way. I, I'm yeah. I'm, uh, what, what do they call it when you don't practice I'm culture? I was raised culturally Catholic.
2: Right. What non-practicing Catholic. Practicing Catholic yeah. yeah.
3: Laps Catholic. Yeah. Although I don't know if I'm officially Catholic because I quit before confirmation time came, but.
2: <laughs> you know, one move I, I really love is, uh, the comedian, uh, Barry Simmons. Um, Every day on Twitter, th- this is a good use of Twitter. Every day on Twitter, he tweets to the Pope to excommunicate him.
3: You know, <laughs> it's a simple task, and it makes a statement.
2: Yeah, yeah, and every day there a new one comes out—a a request for excommunication. I think it's fantastic, Kremens, uh, Barry Kremens. Sorry, uh-huh. um, but uh, yeah, I you know religion is definitely one of those pod people kind of things where I just don't understand it at all, where I'm like there, the moment where I'm like, there have been so many different religions over the, the eons that we know that for it to take so long to get it to the right one seems dumb. And then that we wouldn't have it improved it more since like, why was God so chatty for, just a few years there and then decide to shut the fuck up. Uh, like all of it just falls apart upon the, uh, the, the first whiff of scrutiny of <laughs> of real, of real like, well, none of this makes sense. You know, it's the old George Carlin paradox of, you know, there's a, a man in the sky who writes down everything you do. And if you step out of line, he sends you to hell where you're going to burn for eternity because he loves you. <laughs> Yes. And it's that kind of shit where, uh, you know, to quote another great comedian, that it, it, if if that's the kind of club that wants me as a member, I don't want to be any part of it. Um, no great, I, I so. think, yeah, I think the whole thing is is sadistic uh, on some level when you indoctrinate someone into this this religion uh, that is almost entirely Gill uh, geared. To make you feel guilty about normal human behavior, you know. I don't mean the murders and shit like that. Like, let, I'm I'm fine with that being, you know. That's code of Hammurabi shit. I'm good with all that. <laughs> that's stealing and murdering and whatnot. But when you get to stuff like, well, you can't fuck somebody in the ass, you know, the sodomy laws and stuff. That's just stupid. Yeah. That is a waste of time and paper. Uh, if you have a problem with people having sex in the in the buttocks then don't do it end of <laughs> end of discussion
3: <laughs> yep but but it's like if gay marriage affects you then one of you is gay
2: yeah right and but it's that that ideology of because i believe this thing everyone else has to or at least everyone has to live by those rules <laughs> and and that's the kind of shit that that really bothers me uh not because it, it's that well i guess it, it it's because that i feel like my own point of view is then not being expressed in a way like the the kind of shit we've been talking about and and not just the cheap shots at trump although those are fun <laughs> but you know talking more specifically about about the kind of thinking that that creates a trump like like trump got elected because there these things were in the the culture already, you know the, these these hot button issues that he was able to manipulate uh, to his benefit, and and Which and is his
3: only skill,
2: yeah, yeah, he he's great at the wedge issues and and wrapping himself in both the flag and religion in a way that doesn't doesn't make any sense to me that anyone falls for it. He doesn't seem to be all that patriotic, really. Um, certainly not a constitutional patriot. <laughs> uh, and and I would argue that, you know, things like, you know, his military service record or lack thereof, uh, the, the intense ties he has out of the country, like we haven't even talked about Russia shit um, because there's just so much about Trump that's irritating. But, I mean, whether or not there was any you know, fire to the smoke around, uh, Russian collusion, his ties with foreign countries business wise should be concerning to people, not just Russia, but you know, in the middle East as well. And, and anywhere like we should know more about his financial ties and, and who he is beholden to. Uh, and that's the kind of shit like, you know, it, that seems like a typically Republican point of view. Um, and, and it, (laughs) Uh, to hamfistedly turn it to the movie again, one of the things that's been fascinating in all this though is th- seeing the um, the Republican party itself try to figure out what what the fuck it is anyway.
3: <laughs> yeah, because there's there's the conservative branch of the Republican Party and the regressive branch, I guess would be a is the word that I've been using and I know I think a lot of people do. Man, that fucking
2: Freedom Caucus – again, speaking of dumb shit, um, you have a caucus in the House of Representatives um, as, as the Republicans, as, as as a Republican political party. You have a caucus that forces you to make crazy decisions because if you don't do that, then you can't get anything passed. And so far, they've just been like, all right, we're not passing anything. Yeah.
3: This isn't Uh, cruel enough.
2: Right. But at some point, somebody's going to throw up their hands and you're going to get some bill out of this Freedom Caucus party. That's probably going to be the like Freedom for Women Act uh, (laughs) where like women can't drive anymore. And, you know, adult males have to sign forms if they want to travel by themselves and shit. That's the kind of thing that could come out of the Freedom Caucus and, and not surprise me, quite frankly. Um, But that would get passed just because it was at a certain point of like legislative, you know, fatigue of of not being able to generate any news out of that party other than what a wackadoo the president is like. They haven't accomplished anything legislatively since he took office.
3: No, uh, despite controlling the House, the Senate and the White House it's it's still the democrats fault apparently uh i know i know it's definitely their fault for not putting any input in on the health bill that they weren't asked to put any input on and that was hidden in what like like in it's it, it was like a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy level of hiddenness but mr den the plans have been available in the planning office for the last nine months
5: oh yes well of course as soon as i heard i went straight around to see them You hadn't exactly gone out of your way to call much attention to them, had you? Like telling anybody or anything. But the plans were on display. On display? I eventually had to go down to the cellar. That's the display department. With a torch. The lights are probably gone. So had the stairs. But you did see the notice, didn't you? Oh, yes. It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign outside the door saying, Beware of the Leopard. Have I thought of going into advertising? Have you any idea how much damage this bulldozer would suffer if I were to let it roll straight over you? How much? None at all. It,
2: it, yeah, yeah. I, oh. it, it's <laughs> fucking. It, yeah, and it comes out and it's a real piece of shit. And the Freedom Caucus is like, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't kick enough people off healthcare. <laughs> That's never getting through the house. Uh,. And I, you, But that's the the thing that pisses me off is that there are Republicans that – I think health care would be less of an issue if Republicans just were honest about their position on it, which isn't that they're looking for better health care for more people. That's bullshit. They want to get health care completely profit, privatized uh, once more. They don't want any government – uh, involvement in healthcare, uh, as a rule, I you know, I mean, I think there are exceptions to this, but I think there's a large portion of the Republicans who, if they were being honest with the the people of this country, they would say, I just don't think it's the government's responsibility to take care of someone's health. And if they would, I think that there's enough people that agree with the idea that, oh, no, that is something the government probably should do. Um, that I think you would see real traction on it instead of the bullshit that you hear from somebody like Paul Ryan, who's like, well, you know, Obamacare, like we want to, we want healthcare for everybody. Uh, but you know, Obamacare, that's, that's just practically socialism and all that bullshit. Um,
3: like, I don't know why people use like socialism and liberal rolls off some people's tongues like it's a piece of shit
2: this is a socialist <laughs> democracy always has been yeah. like for, from from jump we set up a postal service which is a socialist program uh fire you, know, department, the you know. fire department police department anything that public pools are fucking socialist if you want to get down to it <laughs> um all of that stuff just because the government pays for it doesn't make it inherently bad and I mean, that's my argument about socialism anyway, and and being open to the idea that it could be bad, but there are ways to fix it as opposed to just torpedo it like they're doing with uh, with healthcare right now. But, um, you know, kind of back to the original point about all that was, you know, the fact that, yes, the Republicans can't get shit done and control everything just shows how fractured and unprepared they were to lead in the first place. And But yet there are these outlets like your Breitbart's, like your, your Fox News, uh, that are just constantly telling you everything's cool. There's nothing weird about any of this. The president's getting a, getting a rough time from the media. Media's really giving this president what for.
3: He's been and, treated por- more poorly than any president ever, even the ones that were assassinated. <laughs> right. <laughs> That kind of crazy
2: bullshit and it's just one of those things where if you hear something enough times and you're not – you're not being critical about it, about uh, about the things that you're being told uh, and, and why would you be if you're being told this is the news uh, and also with the added sweetener of this is the news and you probably already kind of agree – Mm-hmm. so that's that's a heady mix for a lot of people uh, on both sides like i said i watch my msnbc and just get real angry sometimes and then i stop and i'm like that's stupid i'm getting angry about nothing now um you know just because i don't like this president so much that even little shit bothers me uh but there's plenty of big shit like that's why he's a terrible president there's a lot of big shit uh his use of twitter should be a national emergency in my mind <laughs> like somebody should make that stop. Crisis tonight, President Trump's Twitter account went down. Uh, Twitter originally said his account was inadvertently deactivated due to human error by a Twitter employee. But after investigating the incident they found um, that it had been done by an employee on his last day or his or her last day. Doesn't that just sort of reinforce the idea that we should not be Twitter should not be a serious policy tool that anyone, <laughs> especially someone who's running the free world, should be using. It should be coming directly from the White House.
3: I think you're dreaming a little bit about yeah, I'm that.
2: I'm just saying it's an, that's just one added filter and one other level where something can go wrong.
3: Yeah, I would think that threatening uh, nuclear holocaust constitutes uh, threatening uh, threatening messages. Yeah, he-
2: But he's a cliffhanger president, you know, (laughs) like he's a guy who loves to say some shit and be like, you'll find out, um, like, like
3: (laughs) you'll find out right after these messages.
2: Yeah. Wait around Monday. We're making a big announcement about whatever the fuck. Um, (laughs) like when he was talking about, uh, at the military dinner recently and said, this is calm before the storm. Right guys. And everybody's like, what the fuck are you saying?
5: You'll see.
2: Right. (laughs) right is the you'll see nuclear annihilation because that's a really severe you'll see yeah that's That's something that ought to be on the
3: table from jump this is very beyond snidely whiplash uh proportions
2: right like you'll see generally means like you've swindled someone out of their land you know (laughs) you got you got one over on them but yeah this this you'll see bullshit about like the utter annihilation of a country which he has threatened already. Like imagine – and this isn't the craziest thing that could happen. We live in a political climate where the United States launching a first-strike strike nuclear attack against North Korea is I would say in the 10 to 15 percent probability. Um, I'm no uh, statistician. Statistician. I'm no status guy, (laughs) statistics guy, but that's not crazy. No. You know, I mean, that is on the table now. I mean, I guess it always was, but it's one of those, you know, seven minutes till midnight doomsday clock kind of scenarios. Mm. But it feels like we're on about like 1159 and 30 seconds these days.
3: Yeah. Uh, You know, I mean, there, there have been... Reputable news sources saying that uh, some White House aides and officials have at least jokingly discussed what to do if Trump lunges at the nuclear football. Even just joking about that, there's a little bit of uh, dread that comes yeah. from
2: that. <laughs> well, he seemed to have a hard on for nukes well before he ever got elected. Yeah. Uh, And, and you know, like those questions that came out, like when he, he had his early intelligence briefings when he and Clinton were both being briefed. And it leaked out that he was like, why don't we just fire these things? What's what's the problem? Why are we not just firing nukes at anything that looks at us cross-eyed? And that is not what you want out of a – but again, it's that shit of like that's why I don't understand the people who voted for him. He seems so clearly unprepared and dangerous and and without a fundamental understanding of the weight of the job and – you know, that you couldn't just be an asshole who liked to, you know, pop off about celebrities, which is kind of what Trump always was. There's yeah. a, sh- like, sh- there are strings of tweets of him in some, like, Twitter feud with a celebrity or something. Like, that blows my fucking mind that that's the president of the United States. It's still something that I don't know if I fully internalized yet that that we as a country selected this absolute clown with no degree of capability to handle a job like this. No proof that he even came close. I mean, I guess you can make the argument, well, there was no proof he couldn't be president, (laughs) but it's like, well, but you want some that you could be, you want even if it's just mayor, governor, something, something other than just random dude,
3: city councilman even or yeah, like
2: anything anything that showed you the process by which government works. Anything other than I wrote some checks to politicians. That's as much political experience as he had is that is that he contributed to campaigns on both sides and was You know, like, there's part of me that gets some of the Trump appeal when he does uh, talk about, you know, hey, I I gave money to both sides, you're buying access. Like, all that stuff, uh, when you're talking about campaign finance reform and that kind of thing, all of that is incredibly valid in terms of of making an argument for himself about why somebody like Trump could wield political power. I mean, it's not like he cares about that, like – I, I think the money and the power is the thing for Trump always always has been. Uh, and the notoriety. Maybe that's even more the thing is the fame. Yeah, building um,
3: the brand. I mean, I thought for the longest time I had convinced myself that he was going to drop out last second and then start up another reality show.
2: Well, that's always been the rumor is that he ran to gen up ratings for The Apprentice. And then he just started winning.
3: He's like, oh, shit.
2: Right. And like he never intended to be president. It was always kind of a goof. But then the joke became reality. And and there were just so many points where it should have stopped. And the American people were just like, you know what? It's fine. <sighs> Racist? Totally cool. Making fun of the disabled? Fine. Misogynist? Okay. Yeah, brutish and bullish and and uh, seemingly bereft of empathy. All right, all that sounds like the <laughs> traits you want in a president of the United States. Oh, also completely completely without any kind of foreign policy experience. Better yet, does he know anything about domestic policy? Nope. Fantastic. How do I vote for this guy twice? <laughs> You know, it is—it's a laundry list of why you shouldn't vote for someone, and that anyone did just—it—it it, it stuns me.
3: Yeah, I—I've i, I I've had this conversation a thousand times, and I—nobody knows. Even you know, even the uh, most of the people I don't. Well, a lot of Trump supporters don't really talk to me anymore. Uh, I've been that loudmouth political guy for so long that there's family members that don't talk to me and half the people that I went to high school with <laughs> have gone by the wayside. Um, but I try to come out of my bubble and I'll, I'll talk to anybody. Nobody knows it's people that hate them. People that like them don't know how it happened. Yeah. And
2: you know, uh, we talked about it at the beginning of the show, but that kind of divisiveness that, that sort of that thing that makes you singular in your either with it's your family or, or community or whatever uh, the fact that you're not in the on the Trump train that you're not one of those people kind of parroting whatever he says uh and and taking that as, as gospel um it's it's strange like i i've never seen it quite like this um you know there there were people that plenty argued over w uh, after the the gulf war but not like this man, not where it's just like on the one side are the people who are like you and I who are stunned that it happened that can't put the one in one of that together and the other group that is like, how could it not have happened? Of course this was going to be our candidate. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I like but it is that, that body snatchers thing of like, I don't, I don't recognize these people anymore. Like people I thought I knew people I thought I loved and, and I just, I fundamentally don't understand them or that there's something in them that they're, they're passionate about or, or scared about, I think in some cases that I, I never realized, you know, uh, it, it's, it, it, it's amazing. I mean, I can only imagine, uh, you know, people say that 1968, Um, what with Vietnam and Nixon and the death of Bobby Kennedy and, uh, all of the, the, the tumult in the country, like 68 was maybe the worst year for America after the civil war,
3: man, that Democrat national convention. It's one
2: of my favorite stories of all time. Uh, I, 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 I'm not really crazy about Abby Hoffman, but I think it's a fascinating story. Um, and, but yeah, so like, you know, the riots in the, in, in Chicago and whatnot and, uh, all of that. And you see it even within, you know, body snatchers is this fundamental mistrust of governments and institutions that it started there by the time you get to invasion of the body snatchers, you know, 10 years on after, uh, Chicago, There is still this, you know, it's the scene of Donald Sutherland on the phone. How do they know my name? Mm -hmm. Um, That the police start coordinating off the street like the the government can be part of the thing that's against you, that the government is not as uh, unlike the the film from 56, where at the end of the movie, you know, the doctor convinces the FBI agents like he's telling the truth. You got to get in there and save the day. Uh, There's none of that in in the Kaufman film um and i think that's appropriate like again it's it's the kind of nihilism for our times of the thing you thought could never happen happened and it's it's left in its wake like these divisions between us and um i don't know it like the the path to healing from that is the thing that i i I try to focus on and, and keep thinking about like uh, what is the route past it? Like how, what's the road home where everybody can get back to the place where you can agree or disagree politically, but that doesn't inherently make you a bad person. And, uh, and I'm not there yet either. Like I, if somebody tells me they voted for Trump, I'm like, I think you're a bad person. <laughs> I think you're responsible for this. Like, I went through that that phase right after the election, where uh, people were like, "You know what? I just I just need to understand. I just need to understand. Uh, I want to talk to as many people who voted for Trump. I want to I want to hear their stories. I want to hear their pain. I want to know what led them to make this decision. And I don't want to point a finger. And I've gotten past that now, and I'm back to fuck that. I'm pointing fingers now. This is. <laughs> The fault of those people who pulled the lever for Trump, Um, whatever happens, whatever comes down the pipe, uh, nuclear war or just a cratered economy, or hopefully, fingers crossed, just a real shitty four years of mediocrity. That's best case scenario in my mind. (laughs) It, it, It just has become something that I don't I don't know where we go from here. Uh, and I'm wondering if it's not going to take like, oh, my God, Stevie Wonder got assassinated by a Republican. <laughs> Something like that that just brings us all together. We're, we're like, that is fucked up. That's Stevie Wonder. Nobody fucks with Stevie. Yeah. And we all come together as a nation. But, uh, you know, you thought it could have happened around that uh, Las Vegas shooting. But that lasted for about two days.
3: Yeah it it didn't even last long when Congress people got shot and that yeah. was, and that was the, uh, they, and they were Republican Congress people. They got shot. Yeah. That went away really fast too.
2: Yeah. I, I knew guns were a done deal in this country. Like we're never going to have reasonable gun laws after Sandy hook. That was <laughs> the one where it was like, if, a if a dude goes into an elementary school and shoots 20, like six year olds, then that's it. Like if you can just walk in and shoot up a bunch of kids and this because we love our children in America. Um <laughs> if you can shoot up way more than we love Congress people and all that shit. If you can shoot up a bunch of children and the the political response to that is you know what? It's just the price of freedom. Then that's where we are. We ain't getting past it. Yeah.
3: If the answer is give teachers guns, you're going in the wrong direction.
2: Right. Right. And yeah. So I, I don't have any hope for this country when it comes to gun laws, uh, or, or not within, like we are going to have far more in the way of, uh, civil rights and things like that than, um, than gun laws, uh, in terms of progress in my lifetime anyway. Uh, I don't. I, I can't imagine – like nuclear war, that's the thing that stops the gun law debate in this country because um, at that point we're all just, you know, knife fighting over spam cans. So <laughs> who who kind of gives a shit about gun laws? You're going to need one. Yeah, That's the new law of the jungle <laughs> except instead it's a radiated wasteland. Um, yeah, I – you know, here – all right. Here, here's my fucked up fear uh, of late. Is that there is a limited nukes uh, limited nuclear exchange on the Korean Peninsula,
6: mm-hmm.
2: and then then it just means that everybody in the world gets way more cancer, and it's just way more fucked up than it already is. Like the the uh, life like it doesn't kill people right away, but it lowers the lifespan to like an average of forty two. Uh you know yeah like what a awful world to live in that would be um i don't know i have a lot of terrible <laughs> thoughts i like my mind i've got one of those imaginations that that likes to play worst case scenario uh what i i've mentioned on one show or another before but like when i grew up in the 80s you know this was the time of a true cold war and reagan and uh you know the day after on television and shit
6: mm-hmm. and
2: i would after seeing the day after uh somebody told me that the military base near where we lived was one of the first strikes uh cuz i lived near the 101st airborne
3: oh yeah
2: right and it was like well they're they'll get hit because of their military capability and Uh, But the person who told me said, don't worry, though, because we're close enough that you would never know it happened.
3: (laughs) Like a Ray Bradbury story. Right. And so that
2: sticks in my craw. So for a solid, I don't know, couple of weeks after that, I slept under my bed. (laughs) I was just like I was a, you know, 12 ish year old that was obsessed with the thought of being instantly vaporized by nuclear <laughs> a nuclear <laughs> bomb. And and so this has all the air of that now. And so it brings back all these old anxieties about like oh just the, if the thought of a nuclear exchange does not scare the living shit out of you then I mean you're one of those pod people that's <laughs> like why aren't we using more nukes? <laughs> why what they blow stuff up, good. Uh, I, I'm just not understanding like what that threat means to the globe. Even if you just, eh, even if you just set off a few of them, that's yeah. still a lot of radiation. And it turns out there's wind.
3: And then you get into biological weapons.
2: Oh, sure. I mean, that's the point where I I become a suicide risk. If it's just like some crazy super flu going around like some stand Captain Trip shit I
6: don't,
2: that's another world I don't want to live in uh, I, I, there's a lot of them quite frankly basically any world where the grocery store isn't 24-7 it's not a world <laughs> I want to live in like I don't have a go bag or nothing I'm totally unprepared like when the shit goes down I, this is why I do the whole podcast network is just to create a network of people to whom I can run in the event of a like a national disaster. I was just like hey man I just need your couch for a couple of weeks. I won't eat that much. <laughs> like hey man we've been planning for this for years. Good. Good. I did not. I would just like <laughs> I would like to come to your house where all the planning has been done now. Um, that so, is your go bag. Yeah. You've
3: got a my, digital go bag.
2: My go bag is uh, is my Rolodex. Um, and and hoping that there, like better people than myself will let me in. And <laughs> and if they don't, then I'll just become, you know, one of the mutants in the wasteland, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> Not everyone died in the blast. Some of us were merely horribly mutated,
3: <laughs> but there's a lot of, a lot of really cool people. And I think that segues perfectly into going to play a couple promos for some awesome shows and, uh, and we will be right Back
4: Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds?. Oh, necro-
0: Hey everybody, this is Tim Dorn, my name is Gareth Evans Hi, I'm Nacho Vigalondo, director of Time Crimes and Open Windows
3: Hey, this is Graham Skipper
1: Hola, soy Macarena Gomez
5: Hello, this is number
3: one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler
5: Yo monkeys,
0: it's me, D-D-P And you are listening to the little pod of horrors Which, as you know, is the best damn idea Since premarital sex On Halloween
1: Jason Voorhees!
0: It'll make you come hard. And that's not a bad thing. That monkey
1: is a good thing.
6: BAM!
4: You can find The Little Pot of Horrors on simplysyndicated.com and on iTunes.
5: Please stand by for further details. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program.
2: So, you know, if, if pop culture recycles itself about every 30 years, which seems to be about the case, um, then it feels only right that we have a mentally impaired president presiding over a time of heated nuclear talks.
3: <laughs> and, uh, yeah, instead of Bonzo, he's Bozo.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, that makes a lot of sense to me. I can find a, a certain symmetry in that, um, uh, I, I, you know, I kind of subscribe to that idea. Speaking of the apocalypse, <laughs> uh, I, I subscribe to that idea that most generations think, you know, part of the danger of religion. Why? Why I don't like religious politicians. I don't like any politician <laughs> that thinks that the reward is the afterlife. You know, like I want them doing the work here, not like, oh, I'm gonna make pass laws to make sure we're all good people so we get through the pearly gates. I'm like, no, 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 fuck that. Like, let's make pearly gates here and, uh, and, and all walk through them together hand in hand, the liberal dream. But, uh, yeah, it, it strikes me as, uh, as very strange that someone that seems as mentally loose, (laughs) uh, as, as, as liberated from, uh, reality as a Donald Trump is, is being allowed to handle nukes. But, uh, like, like I said, I, you know, I think there are those politicians that go into it, uh, thinking like, Hey, this is going to be great for the afterlife. And as soon as I hear, uh, any such thing from a politician about like, well, you know, that's just, uh, you know, they're crossed to bear that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I check right out. I'm like, you're not the guy for me. Like if you want to if you want to offer prayers and condolences at times of national crisis and whatnot, totally fine with that. But if you have ever uttered the words, well, I prayed about it, then I don't I don't want you anywhere near a <laughs> position of power. Like I read about it, I I talked to some experts. All of those are fine answers for how to handle a problem. I prayed about it not high on my list
3: no no that uh that's that's the sort of thing like uh like talking to the the president of the virgin islands uh Ugh. just talking to yourself there pal. oh
2: man you know again one of those things that if another president had had done it i would have been like yeah that's just a little goof i don't think he knew <laughs> i like i really don't i really thought he 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 thought he was going to talk to the president of the virgin
3: islands Maybe from his business background, he thinks everybody that's in charge of anything is called the president.
2: Well, I mean, I think we, we've seen enough evidence already that he doesn't understand foreign policy even a little bit.
3: Correct. Or domestic policy.
2: Right. I mean, just policy in policy. general is, is kind of his weak spot. Is <laughs> Doing ethics. his
3: job is not really in his wheelhouse.
2: Yeah. Ethics and policy. Uh, two things I would argue are almost critical for a president. Um, seem to be noticeably lacking in, in this guy, but, um, yeah, it, it, there is an air, uh, of the Watergate years today, you know, of that kind of corrupt president. You, you certainly see some investigative reporting that is certainly antagonistic to the president, if nothing else, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from, from places like the post and times and yada, yada. And on the one hand, I really like that because I, I am enough of a sucker that I really like white house leaks a lot (laughs) and I know they shouldn't be there, but when you hear stuff like James Mattis called Trump, a fucking moron after a (laughs) briefing, like that's not something I should know, but it's kind of awesome. Uh, I, but, and, and terrifying, you know? Like, that's the problem with Trump is that on the one hand, it's comical uh, when he gets out and says things like, you know, I came up with the the term fake news uh, and shit like that. And that's hilarious. But also, oh, my God, he's the president. (laughs) Like, that's the thing that keeps grounding me of I can't I'll have a momentary spark of joy and then uh, just an extended period of depression. Yeah. Uh at, at, like after we do at, at, like once this show wraps up I'm going to have to go into one of them sensory deprivation tanks like in altered states for about a day and a half <laughs> where I can forget for a while that he's the president. Um it's kind of how I've been living lately. It's how I've had to. Yeah. Uh I you know I, was, I we on the show with Duncan the other day we were talking about uh, that movie, Hounds of Love. <laughs> and I was like, man, that's a really good movie. But I I don't need to go out of my way to see really dark stuff. It just lands in the news. You know, <laughs> it's my, m- my desire for stuff that makes me feel kind of bad. Uh, I used to love movies like that where, I, you know, I, I was walking around so carefree and happy is my problem (laughs) thinking that, that the world was a good place. And yeah, ever since the election, man, it's, it's hard for me to watch like a, a seriously depressing movie. And, and one of the reasons the ending of body snatchers has affected me the way it has, you know, twice in, uh, almost as many weeks. Um, because it's that, that sense of, of you can't win.
3: Um, you lost before you knew it.
2: Yeah. by by the time you knew, and, and another theme that runs heavily through body snatchers that I think has a modern day parallel is that idea of by the time you understand the problem and are trying to do something about it, it's too late. Um, you know, all through the movie, like they're catching up to this thing that is already a tsunami. Uh, as you put it. And that's kind of how I feel these days politically is, is there's so much, I feel like maybe, I mean, what am I going to do in the blue beacon of Tennessee? Like what neighbor am I going to knock on their door and be like, Hey, you voting for for Hillary? Uh-huh. Me too. All right. <laughs> like, like our County went the way that I I expected it to. And So it's been hard, I think, for me to enjoy stuff that is intentionally downbeat because that's kind of the baseline already Yeah, (laughs) is is mildly depressed. And I don't need somebody to, you know, put their thumb on that end of the scale too much. You know, I mean, it's worth just discussing uh, how terrifying the end of that movie is of, of the moment Veronica Cartwright, who has been. Uh, you know presumably living off of caffeine pills and utter (laughs) madness uh since the last time she she saw donald sutherland but um yeah him you know as she approaches him and is like oh my god i'm glad you're okay and he does the the point and scream it's incredibly nightmarish it's one of those images that I think even if you haven't seen the movie, you've probably seen that picture, but it's just, it, it does it a disservice because of like how closely you have followed this character through the film. And then all of a sudden it's just the most awful thing that could have happened.
3: <laughs> yeah. She said you probably want, did you watch some of the commentaries? Uh, uh
2: yeah. Uh, well, uh, one version of the commentary. So I'm not sure. If it was the same,
3: she said, and I think a couple of the other people said, and I guess I believe it is that much like the uh, her scene in Alien, she was sort of told what was going to happen, but she didn't really know, so they would get a more startled, scared out of her rather than a prepared scared.
2: Yeah, the, I, I my understanding is that it, she and Sutherland were told pretty much day of, uh, this is what the scene is. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, oh my God, it's so chilling.
3: She's got a good terror, a good terror face, a good scream. Um, I, I'm not as familiar with her body of work, but I would think that she would have been more prevalent throughout the horror genre. Is she? And I just don't know.
2: Uh, you know, not notably. I don't think she was in the bird. Strangely. She was in witches of Eastwick. Um uh the <laughs> NeoWolf. <Nia> uh <laughs> so you know, she's got that going for her. Um Yeah, I mean there's a lot of it. There like she was in Candyman Farewell to the Flesh. She's she's done a lot of horror films, but a lot of them aren't, you know, invasion of the body snatchers <laughs> and alien. Yeah.
3: Uh true that.
2: But but she she did mostly t v prior to that, but and and then just played a mom and or the nosy neighbor in every other movie that was ever made <laughs> but yeah, she does she does have that reaction of where she's genuinely genuinely seems terrified and to the the point of just utterly losing your shit mm-hmm. um, which is a fine line you know like she's she doesn't turn and run or anything like that it's just well i'm fucked <laughs> and you you kind of fucked me but i fucked myself in a lot of ways and but regardless the uh fuckness of the situation should not be overlooked because that is most certainly what i am now um yeah it's it it yeah it is that awful sense that you are now alone in the world and um, at the risk of just repeating myself yet again, boy, do I relate to that, uh, (laughs) lately. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's horrifying. Like to me, that is the, one of the most terrifying ideas, not just from a political point of view, but like just from a psychological point of view to be utterly alone, to be, uh, surrounded by people that you just couldn't possibly connect with. And, um, there was an I was gonna say an old Twilight Zone episode. It was the new series uh, they brought back after the original Twilight Zone. Um, and there was an episode with Robert Klein where one day everyone just started using a different language. And he couldn't understand anything. And the the show is kind of unnerving but it ends with this strangely sweet scene where his daughter breaks out flashcards and is teaching him this new language. And to the best of my memory, it's never explained why all of a sudden he just wakes up in this world. But, um, but it's, it's the same kind of notion of the things that seem so normal are now cast in this new light because of this change, whether it's, a different language or pod people or whatever, that it's now a threatening place. Like even though nothing, nothing superficially looks different, but everything's different. And I, I I think that's one of the real strengths of the movie. Uh, and one of the real terrors of the movie as well. Um, and again, something that I mean, I feel like is easily translatable (laughs) into a modern context. Uh, Like, yeah, you wake up one day and it, it ain't the, it ain't the same country you went to bed with um, and, you know, for better or worse, depending on on where you land on on that political spectrum. Uh, but for a lot of people, man, I myself included the day after the election was just one of the worst days I can recall in some time. Yeah, uh, it
3: was so dreary. And so many of us were hung over also. Like yeah. On, on top of it, you know, yeah. Um, we here at the uh, the semantic Bomb Shelter, we applied two or three days later. We applied to make sure that our, our kid had a passport. <laughs> a little bit of doomsday prepping. Um, I, I, I don't know if we were adding on the extra experience of, it took me a really long time to get my passport approved. I was randomly flagged for selective extra identification so i had to find four or five different forms of government approved id list every address i had and every job i've had and some other shit and they gave me like a three by five envelope to send all that stuff back in so we were just like well let's just make sure everybody's got a passport and then we'll see what the fuck happens
2: yeah yeah i I, i'm with you i i I was talking to Duncan, I was just like, man, I may I, I may need to get it to, to Scotland. Uh I should just go like and he rubs it in my face too, because they have uh it turns out a very progressive government <laughs> in Scotland, even though it is it is still under the less progressive uh British Parliament. But in terms of Scotland itself, it tends to be very very forward thinking and very welcoming and very opening and um yeah it was just really a bitter pill to swallow to have him send me like oh here's i i I can't think of her name now but uh the the scottish uh prime minister uh speaking and she's incredibly eloquent and inspiring (laughs) and all that and it's like oh and here's our guy who's you know again making fun of the handicapped dude (laughs) and did he just steal
3: a kid's hat (laughs)
2: right like you know another movie from uh not too far past this that has taken on a surprising relevance lately is the dead zone uh (laughs) which i i saw not long ago at all and seeing martin sheen uh in that film is eerie it's like that's that's who we elected is greg stilson from uh the Dead Zone, which is also another reason I worry about nuclear war so much, because that guy seemed to like it too.
3: Yeah. Oh man, I gotta see if maybe I can get you and Duncan on here to talk about the Dead Zone.
2: I, I mean, I certainly will. I'll turn up anywhere to to talk about the uh, Dead Zone. Um, much like in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, uh, you mention either of those movies, and I come a running. <laughs> it's it's my my own dog whistle. Yeah, it's. Even though they're they're different decades, but they're close enough uh, in terms of release years to be within what five years of one another, somewhere in that neighborhood.
3: Yeah, pretty close. I mean, in less of a span of the time of the W. Bush and the Obama administrations combined.
2: Yeah. Oh, for sure. And yeah, you know, there is something. There's something about that era of film that you know kind of came after. Uh, all the President's Men and, I mean, you can go back to Altman and, you know, it's just that 70s independent spirit uh, that still ran through a lot of the 70s and into the 80s. And I think Invasion of the Body Snatchers is a great example of it. I mean, it is it is a typical genre film, but also it's got banjo Dog face. Yep. <laughs> and, and, and like these weird little touches like that, uh, uh that do seem a little subversive. And even within the genre, that, uh, there's just some stuff that this movie goes for, uh, in terms of its visuals. Like, and like all those bodies popping out of the pods and all that stuff is real, very genre specific. Uh, but Kaufman is just so good a director that there's something universal in all that genre specificity as well. Uh, somebody pointed out like the the Hitchcock scene, which is fantastic of uh, Donald Sutherland Brooke Adams like when when they come up with the idea that hey if we if we act emotionless and and kind of walk woodenly mm-hmm. that we can g- kind of scoot around and no one will notice and um, you just see the shot of their legs as they're walking, and they bump into someone, and then keep moving. And then the people that they bumped into walk the other direction, stop with a bunch of other feet, and uh, chit chat, and then all turn around and start following them. And it's this really creepy, again, very Hitchcockian kind of scene of like, this is all you need to kn- to see or know is that you know the the path of of their feet is uh is leading them to donald sutherland and brooke adams and and the chase is once more afoot um it's it's incredible like it, it's just such good filmmaking uh it's just a shame it's so depressing
3: <laughs> yeah and uh dead zone the novel came out the next year nineteen seventy nine and then the movie was eighty three
2: yeah i I thought it was 82 83 and yeah but it it, it's again it's that similar stripe of you have an independent filmmaker like kaufman was very much an indie european style filmmaker uh prior to body snatchers and what was it he was gonna do before this and it fell through it was a sci-fi film i think it was a star trek adaptation actually
3: i i think so
2: Yeah, uh, because because they were going to do this. All right. Here's some movie trivia. So they were going to do Philip Kaufman was going to do Star Trek, but Star Wars was filming at the time and the word out of the set was that it was going to be a disaster. So they (laughs) held off on doing a Star Trek film with Kaufman. And so when that fell through, Kaufman went to body snatchers. And, uh, anyway, kind of interesting. We almost got, uh, Mike, much like Jodorowsky's Dune, we almost got a Kaufman, uh, Star Trek film, none of which, uh, my understanding is none of the Star Trek, the motion picture stuff has anything to do with what Kaufman was working on. He was doing something Mm -hmm. entirely different, but yeah. So you have, you know, both Cronenberg and Kaufman, these indie filmmakers now, Doing, you know, if not a big bu- budget movie, I think Body Snatchers was like three and a half million, something like that. Yeah, uh, at uh, the time,
3: that was yeah that that was the number that I had was three point five.
2: Yeah, and it uh it did really well. I think it made a like couple hundred million or something like that. And, um, but yeah, I mean, box office aside, it was you know, a big enough budget movie to be a studio film. And it was a remake of uh, a movie that was considered something of a classic and, and all that stuff. So the fact that Kaufman kind of got to do his thing. And, uh, my understanding was that the, one of the reasons that the ending was kind of kept under wraps so much is that the studio didn't know what the ending was and didn't know until after the movie started screening, um how bleak an ending they had <laughs> had signed on for but yeah yeah i mean it 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 for a studio film uh to get this just nasty like even the, you know we talked about kevin mccarthy earlier from the original film being in this like his scene is that he's on the run and giving the whole like you know you're next kind of kind of speech but then he just gets tr- you know run down by all of these pod people and when next you see him he's lying dead on the street while everyone just kind of stares at him and
3: Donald i mean says he must have done something
2: right right and in this case it was you know being a human um <laughs> being woke it, af right <laughs> being woke uh that is really what invasion of the body snatchers uh is about is just being woke af (laughs) don't don't let your body be snatched man um they get you when you sleep yeah well i mean yes i mean very much so it's uh in in keeping with the woke stuff it like but it also makes fun of those characters that were like 1978 woke (laughs) you know uh all all the new age stuff like in a weird south parkian kind of way Uh, invasion of the body snatchers like wants to have its cake and eat its two Uh, where it's like okay yes individually individuality is is key and you have to have that to be a human being but also some of that individuality is incredibly self-absorbed and narcissistic and is in some ways the way and the reason that all this pod people behavior can happen right under your nose is that you're, t- you're, you're so busy millennials worrying about yourself <laughs> that you fail to notice sort of the evil lurking in your midst. And I think that Kaufman's movie is about that as well. Um, which is also like, you know, as Luddite and old man, as I say, uh, I sound about it, that kind of stuff with, uh, social media in general, um, except for our facebook page come by say hello um but legion
3: legion podcasts
2: yes that's right it but i do think that there's an element of interaction and like an exchange of ideas the thing about twitter that and, and the likes that's the thing that i find kind of uh unsettling about social media <laughs> isn't isn't you saying a thing it's wanting the response of like oh they like that and
3: Like in the Dark Mirror episode, did you see that one? I did not see that one yet. I'm so behind. Black Mirror, I think, is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There is an episode in the first or second. How many? I don't. However many seasons. It was in like the first five or six episodes, I think. Unless I watched them out of order. Anyway, there's an episode where like your social, your currency and your value is based on
7: your online approval. Well, it's not hopeless. You're clearly a try. That's the sense you get just from me? <laughs> from your rep report analytics. If we drill down into the numbers, you have got a solid popularity arc here. Strong overall trajectory. Let's just look at the last 24 hours. You see, even... What's that? 8.40 a.m. You're working hard on your socials. Great little uptake there. Okay. Couple of minor dings there. You cut someone off in traffic.
5: Oh, just a workplace thing.
7: <laughs> okay. Let's check on your sphere of influence. Let me zoom out here. Great peripherals. Strangers like you, that's a plus. Healthy inner circle? It's good.
5: Thank you.
7: <laughs> There's a ways to go, but 4.5, certainly achievable.
5: How long do you think?
7: To hit four or five. Mm-hmm. Well, barring a major setback, a public disgrace kind of deal, uh, I'd say 18 months or so.
0: Oh, I need more short term. Like,
7: much more. (laughs) Then you'll need a boost. What kind of a boost? Well, most of your interactions are confined to your inner circle, and they're largely, pardon the term, mid to low range folks. Same with your outer circle. You've got a ton of reciprocal five stars from service industry workers, but uh, there's not much else, at least as far as I can see. So in terms of quality, you could use a punch-up right there. Ideally, that's upvotes from quality people.
5: Quality people?
7: Mm, High Forrest. Impress those upscale folks, you'll gain velocity on your arc. And there's your boost.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that is a not reasonable, uh, fear, but it is certainly something to be aware of. I, I think we're close, you know, sp- speaking of politics, like all that, uh, all, all the stories coming out about the, uh, Russian money that flowed into Facebook, uh, to target certain demographics, certain kinds of people, certain areas, uh, in the country with all these kind of crazy bullshit news stories. And some of which were geared towards liberals as well as, uh, as conservatives, but it was all just an attempt to get everyone riled up and get, make them more divisive. Um, that kind of stuff is real. I mean, that's happening like that, that sort of backdoor social engineering is already underway. Uh, and that's terrifying. Like the, all that, you know, body snatchers, black mirror stuff is like it's allegorically body snatchers. It is literally black mirror. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it that stuff really scares me. This idea of all agreeing on something that like a reality star set like, like that kind that cult of personality stuff that has always been with us but just never never like this um I, I recently met a neighbor of mine who was a on a reality show and introduced herself by showing me on youtube the clip of her on this reality show and it was one of those moments where i was like i am I am legend. You know, like this is <laughs> no longer my world. Uh, th- this seems like a, a completely aberrant way to go about. Not just me, like the the idea of the online persona is something that I think we all have to have to deal with to some extent, especially doing podcasting. Like you have a presence and you want to engage with with the people that listen to the shows and and all of that stuff. But how do you do it in in a way that's not all consuming you know mm. uh, it is super easy to fall into that social platform wormhole where generating new content and getting the likes and stuff like that is becomes its own game and there's no prize <laughs> you know you don't <laughs> get anything for that
6: Feed uh, me.
2: yeah it's just you get the rush of it I suppose of seeing the numbers of followers go up and and whatnot but that's it. And, and I, there's something really, I don't know, like it's one of those things I've always wanted to, to write about, uh, you know, in a horror film and I'm not exactly sure what the thing is I'm most afraid of is, uh, if it's, if it's the, hum, uh, homogenization of culture due to the internet, which is, is certainly something that, you know, body Snatcher speaks to, or is it the increasing isolation or is it something of both? You know, uh, I don't, I, am not sure, uh, what, yeah. what terrifies me, but something,
3: <laughs> <laughs> it freaks me out and I don't know why on your path to truth.
2: Yeah. You know, <laughs> journey of a thousand miles is, is fraught, uh, with, uh, uh, just a horrible anxiety and discomfort. And, uh, but yeah, I, I, I spent a lot of time wrestling with those, those ideas of like, you know, how much of your life do you want to present to the world? Not just out of security reasons and and things like that. But at a certain point, like that takes time and is online life, real life, you know, those kinds of questions like in a pinch, if you needed a kidney. Now, do you get that kidney from family members and friends or from your Facebook group, you know, uh, like what's, what's the real relationship that you're having with people in that regard? Um, it's interesting. It's a, it's something I, I, am not, I'm not certain I've come to a conclusion on much like everything on this show. It's all just like, yeah, I don't, I, you know, politically we're very divided. I don't know. I don't know how we would get out of that. Like, I don't have any answers. I just got a lot of big freeform anxiety.
3: Just got to keep talking about it. Yeah, I mean, and that's
2: certainly part of it. And, and you know, I certainly appreciate being on a show like this where you can kind of discuss that political horror, that existential political horror, I feel, on a on <laughs> nearly daily basis. Um, but also that I don't know, like you hope I, that's the catch 22 is on the one hand, you hope that people are like, well, yeah, I believe that, too. And then you're like, well, but then that's just body snatchers all over again, man if you're thinking like me oh shit are we're, we we're someone close. else's pod people yeah i mean that's but aren't we aren't we that <laughs> like if you are on the the other side of the aisle aren't you know, like man they just talk about how much they they want to kill babies and hate jesus <laughs> like who taught them that why are they listening to people telling them that you know and and i genuinely do want uh, like to have dialogues with people uh, about about politics and and people that I don't agree with, it's just uh, it's just never been more difficult to do it without you know, the the knives coming out, <laughs> uh, and 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 particularly because the news is so dominated by a figure like Trump that you know yes if you're of a certain political stripe it, it he is the kryptonite it is it is the liberal nightmare of a. Loudmouth, misogynist, racist, homophobe with broad power. Uh, and it's, it does. It gets us every time bringing up Trump. It, it, it just, it, it I, I lose my shit uh, in a way that I shouldn't. And I know that. But, you know, if somebody just stands in front of me and is like, you know what? He's doing a good job. We just need to give him more time. <laughs> I, I, like, just something breaks behind my eye and
3: my eye starts twitching and i get a vein in my forehead like the yeah fucking teacher from beavis and butthead and the republican
0: party with a more darwinian approach which do you favor kevin darwin's the monkey guy right i like monkeys a statement no doubt once also made by your mother
1: no she's more into kitties i love
0: that's terrific, Brittany, and really adds an extra dimension to today's lesson!
2: I, I look like i I look like I'm under a scanner attack. Yeah, it, and I I do like I, I want it to get civil but it's 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 hard I think it's hard on both sides I think it's hard to look past if you had somebody like a, a GW Bush uh I I do think there's more room to find common ground um that yeah they you know war criminal stuff aside he he was not a crazy person about immigration or you know, energy policies and stuff like that. He was actually reasonably okay for the internet if memory serves, you know? So there were, there were things that you could say things like, you know, I do agree with them on some things that, but the stuff that I don't, I disagree with him on it, you know, it's, uh, hard to get over. Uh, but this is just a guy, you know, with, with Trump, it's a president that it's hard to get to the common ground. It's like, well, I, I don't agree that there are, some of them racist or fine people. I can't go with them on that one. <laughs> and, you know, kicking transgender people out of the military. Well, that seems disruptive to the military cause they're already there. And I haven't heard about the transgender riots in the military. So, you know, I mean, just pick your, your topic. Well, North Korea, I mean, <laughs> he, he, he addresses Kim Jong-un like they're equals, which <laughs> no president has ever done nor should. Um, yeah, I mean, all that stuff, it's hard to find a place where I agree with anyone supporting Trump realistically and not just knee jerk because I voted for him. And by God, I'm going to I'm going to dance with the one that what brung me. (laughs) Uh, but I mean, I'm sure that there there is a large not maybe not large. There is a swath of his voting block that is that person that could not be more horrified by his behavior. But it's like, I can't tell anybody I cannot tell. I can't tell my husband and or wife that I was wrong about this because I raised a stink about how I was right. (laughs) Uh, You know, that kind of shit. So
3: they always told me to turn into the skid.
2: (laughs) Right. Right. Like I'm just, I'm going to, now I'm in a position where I got to, I got to vote for him again. I don't even want to now. Uh, But I got to prove my point that, by God, who I vote for is my right. And if I want to vote for a narcissistic and and, uh, let's be honest, potentially uh, a a bit touched in the head. um,
3: Very potentially. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's (laughs) highly likely. He's the right age and
2: talks the right kind of crazy for dementia to be a real thing. I, I don't say that he has dementia or even a touch of dementia, but he doesn't seem super smart. He doesn't seem like he remembers stuff real well.
5: My primary consultant is myself because I have a very good brain and I've said a lot of things.
2: And uh, and he talks, he just talks crazy.
3: Yeah, it, much like it's, he is the symptom of the political climate, he has symptoms of dementia.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that he is less... He is the culmination of all the problems with uh, political partisanship and the and the way that it's unfolded over the past you know since honestly since Bill Clinton I would I think G W Bush lost his job honestly with the no new taxes thing yeah um, I I think the witch hunt really started with Clinton again which did turn up a an errant blowjob but. Other than that, you know, it seemed like we were spending a lot of money on that blowjob. Unlike <laughs> Bill Clinton himself, who got that one for free. But yeah, it uh, it's super fun to look at this movie now and realize like how smart W. D. Richter, the writer, and Philip Kaufman were. Uh, either that, or they just lucked into material that is so easily adapted, or 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 so. So, uh, lends itself so much to just holding a mirror to the current culture and no matter what culture you're in, it's just like, oh yeah, this, this same kind of struggle between individuality and, and, and the, um, you know, smoothing off of the rough edges of humanity into something a little colder and more sterile, um, that that's just an argument that's going to take place as long as, well, until the pod people take over. Yeah.
3: Well, yeah, or we're all nuclear ash. One yeah. of the two.
2: No, that, that was it. I was just saying <laughs> that's our choice now is pod people are nuclear ash. And I mean, I, for one, am probably going to go pod people on that one. But, you know, <laughs> pick your poison.
3: Yeah. I mean, they always said that, uh, what, there's four basic stories. A man goes on a journey. Man comes into town. Godzilla versus Mega Godzilla and uh, pod people. Was that the.
2: I think that all feels right to me. That, that feels like four movies I've seen over and over um, less Godzilla. Uh, unfortunately, um, they should make more of those movies, which is probably something only four people have ever said, you know what they haven't <laughs> made enough of Godzilla movies.
3: <laughs> I think they still owe a uh, more apology for the Matthew Broderick Godzilla. So, uh, you know, let's
2: not get too highfalutin. Uh, I saw Shin Godzilla and that's not great either.
3: I Uh, haven't seen that one yet
2: It's alright I mean it's better than the Broderick Godzilla But the most interesting Part of that movie is It's politics Uh, The rest of it is kind of dull (laughs) Um, But it makes a case Timely enough It makes a case for uh, Japan's ability To defend itself and and go on The offensive um, In a in in respect with Godzilla in the film, but substitute North Korea or China in the role of Godzilla and it's Japan saying like, we shouldn't have to wait for other people if <laughs> if shit pops off. Um, there's a great moment in Shin Godzilla where they, they call the Americans and they're like, uh, the Americans said they'd be here in like two weeks. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we can't wait that long. We got a big ass Godzilla out there. We can't wait two weeks for that. Godzilla don't wait for America to show up. And that's our move in any war is like, we'll be there towards the end. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll come by, you know, on the, the day that the group presentation is due and we will read someone else's flashcards and share the grade.
2: Well, it, you know, in fairness, we do show up with flashcards of our own, uh, mostly in, in fire bombings and nuclear annihilation, uh, which uh, seems to impress everyone at the science fair. And they're like, okay, you win United States. And we're like, that's right. And they're like, you just, but you just put that together because of what you stole from the German kids. I don't know. We beat the shit out of the German kids. We took their scientists. We got ourselves uh, some, uh, some good science fair uh, flashcards. Now we're in good shape. Uh, if the Japanese kids aren't careful, we're going to drop another flashcard on him. Yeah. The, uh, also, uh, another tangent. I saw uh, recently there was a guy to go into Japan and one of the notes they put in there was don't bring up World War II, which seems so self-evident. But knowing Americans like I do, thank you for the notice.
3: Yeah. Remember that time we kicked your ass? Right. Or, like, or Remember that time we broke into your house while you were sleeping and hit you with a hammer? I guess it'd be a closer analogy.
2: Right. Remember when we dropped not one, but two uh, atomic weapons on your homeland. How do you feel about that? Like, that's just not a conversation you want to get into. Uh, I'm sure their feelings are very complicated. I don't know, man. I you know, at the end of the day, my, one of my uh, recurring uh, bits of wonderment in life is just America as a society. Um, that can be so brilliantly noble about some things and so incredibly stupid about so many others. It is, it, it is a country that never ceases to baffle me, uh, in, in, in both directions. Like some of the shit that is invented, uh, here in the good old United States, uh, is amazing. Like the the technology that we are we seem to be capable of in this country is incredible, um, amazing. Like nothing on earth has ever been. You see things like uh, in the recent hurricanes and and uh, the natural disasters in in Northern California as well. Uh, this incredible heroism that exists in this country as well. This sense that hey, when shit goes down. People step up and handle said shit. Um, That stuff is amazing. And the funky baseline to it all is this crazy orange person who is our president. And it (laughs) probably conclude my thoughts on this with a quote from John Carpenter about Starman. And uh, he's talking about how in the movie Starman, uh, Jeff Bridges uh, says the line the thing that makes humanity so special i'm paraphrasing probably butchering it (laughs) is that when things are at their worst humans are at their best and in this interview john carpenter said i don't believe that it's what i wish were true but i don't believe it and i much as I hate to, I tend to disagree with John Carpenter. I think, I, I I think the complicated answer is that we are both of those things as people that we are incredibly noble and capable of, uh, in, in, in amazing achievements in both engineering and technology and, and, and even on the ethical level of, of being amazingly kind and brave in the face of disaster to help our fellow man. Uh, and also, frightened and nativistic and uh and easily led sometimes um and it, it's a it's a real interesting dichotomy in this country uh and you know much much like the the struggle of uh pod people and non-pod people uh it seems to have no end in sight uh except of course in the case of uh pod people they just want it. And that's what I'm worried about. Like, that's my ultimate fear is that the pod people part of humanity wins uh, and not not the part that saves dogs and floods.
3: Um, (laughs) I'm not even going to try to follow that. Do you want to do a little bit of a totally welcome, shameless self-promotion right now before we uh, go walk amongst the pod people?
2: Yeah, as much as I hate to, like, now I'm just looking at everybody like, oh, God, I can't show emotion, Uh, or else I will be seen as the liberal I am and be forced to line dance. (laughs) Uh, It's not fair. That's an unfair joke. Um, uh, Legionpodcasts.com is where I would point everyone to. Uh, One other one that I, I always fail to mention because I'm a jerk And because we've been talking about some gaming, uh, SDFGaming.com is kind of the the cousin site to Legion Podcast that is all video game stuff. And uh, so we do the video game podcast, the Shotcast. And I've got... I'll I'll have to look. I I think I've got everything posted, but I've been playing a lot of uh, spooky Halloween games lately and uh, trying to to post it up there. Yeah, played actually a free one. Uh, If you are a gamer yourself, I, I would look into this. It is a game called doki doki literature club
3: doki doki literature club
2: yes and it presents itself as one of those uh anime style dating simulators but it is it is that but totally not that Hmm. and i would not say any more about it because the the way that the game goes uh is it's worth the journey. And I, uh, in fact, I will try to tell you while we're on the subject about how long a game that is. Because I would recommend it to, like I said, it's free. About three hours gets you a beginning to end. Oh, cool. And it's worth it. It's a very visual novel kind of style. Anyway, so SDFGaming.com, <laughs> point being. Uh, but over on Legion Podcast, uh, yeah, you can hear like the Duncan and Bo come correct and Duncan and Bo go to Twin Peaks uh, ease uh, <laughs> over there. But also, um, I, I think the last time I was on a show, I recommended your podcast. So I'm going to go back to my old old reliable here. And if you're not listening to Hello, 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 <laughs> This is the Doom Show, then please do. Uh, that show is – that's a very funny show. And, and like, way more informative. Like Here's what bothers me about that show is that Hello, This is the Doom Show is both funnier and more informative than anything I do. And <laughs> – and he manages, uh, Richard and the crew over there, they manage to do it all on one show. And I've got like four or five, and I can't do neither of them things. <laughs> so uh, it's frustrating, but that's an amazing show. And uh, and since you mentioned uh, The Witch, I would uh, point people to Witch versus The Doomsday Clock, uh, which ticks ever closer to midnight uh, with every second that goes
3: by. Um, <laughs> once more you said it all uh so i want to thank you again man thanks a lot for coming on here uh i had i had a blast this is actually our first conversation we've ever had
2: yeah yeah so sorry it was all like rambling all over the place but i start talking politics and i I go down some alleys so uh
3: that's what this is all about over here so perfect and um Yeah, I had a good time. I hope you did too, sir. And you are always welcome back. Not just because you are the Ian Mackay to my little punk band over here. Uh, I like that. (laughs) Thanks everybody for checking this out. And don't forget to duck and cover. Never let them get you to the second location. What's a good little bit of advice for... Don't go to sleep. Don't go to sleep. Thanks a lot, everybody. You have to stay awake. He did what we all must learn to do
1: You! And you! And you! And you! <laughs> Yuck. And cover! Three thousand miles of wilderness over, by the snow A lonely restitution, a paving public show I seek a thousand answers, I find a one or two I may take no discomfiture, my path again renewed Against the grain That's where I'll stay. Swim in a stream I maintain against the grain They're labeled as a lunatic, sequestered and content, they're ignored and defeated by the government, the Orientic public whose magnetic force run away from the potential of the individual Against the grain that's where I'll stay Swim in a stream I maintain against the grain The flow is getting stronger with falling commands of time And at these, of new ideas are increasingly unconfined You need all that the other has, it's you right to seize the day But in all your acquisitions you will soon be swept away Against the grain That's where I'll stay Swam fan upstream, I maintain against the grain. There's a common consensus and an uncomfortable chair, a reverberating car that anyone can hear. If six you there behind you just grow tenaciously, this line sets a purpose, well this triumphs rapidly. Against the gray, that's where I'll stay. I'm a man on stream I maintain against the grain Against the grain Against the grain Against the grain